You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to the darn tootinous true crime comedy podcast in the lands. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What is up, man? Howdy, Fran. What's going on, man? I'm good, man. It's been a couple of weeks. We didn't record last week. Uh, you know, I uh. I went and took a trip out to Dallas, Texas, and yeah. uh, had a phenomenal time out there. You weren't able to join me out there, but uh, we w- I went to the True Crime Podcast Festival out there mm-hmm. and had a phenomenal time, met all some of the great listeners and uh, great uh, other fellow podcasters out there, and, uh, you know, just had a root and tootin' time. How you been since the last time we recorded and everything? It's been like week? Um, two weeks? I reckon about two. Something like that. I've been good, man. Um, ain't nothing new. Uh, Max is um, growing into his just him being a boy type mm-hmm. thing so like it's a lot of like him replacing words with fart now that's just his <laughs> that's his comedy style yeah, yeah, i guess <laughs> that made me i was going <laughs> to keep talking like a cowboy for the whole episode i was going to wait so he replaces words with fart yeah. that's his that's his that's thing. brand of comedy yeah. Yeah, so like it's fart o'clock something like that Slap i'll leave knee. i'll just leave he go by far fart and i go <laughs> All right, man. and he's cracking up. he's cracking he up. His belly. it's the funniest he thinks it's the funniest shit ever man. so that's his thing uh, i just, good, I just think it's just him being a boy uh, that's him growing that, yeah. up and it's mm-hmm. just like he that's what he does now man it's yeah fart, fart everything farting fart. songs everything man that's all he's that's all he say all day long yeah baby you're a fire fart he's just doing parody man. songs okay yeah. you know this is a comedic genius we yeah. have on our hands this girl yeah. is on fart yeah. he loves that song man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not the word no, can't, can't go out here saying this in public because now i look like i'm not teaching you to be responsible i'm just i don't look a, hey, like man, a responsible no, you can't diminish his light like that don't nah, discourage him that's that's his he's finding his comedic voice yeah yeah i like that he's finding his comedic voice and we all start a little juvenile yeah but yeah, sometimes a well-placed fart is all is hilarious. It is. So he knows that the, the instincts are there. He just is doing it. He's a little heavy-handed with the fart. Yeah. He'll yeah. find it. He'll find it. I will hope so. Yeah, I got faith in it. But uh, yeah, no, on a serious note, not on a serious note, but uh, last week we didn't have an episode. We just, the scheduling wasn't, we were supposed to record before I left, but the day that that happened, I was like, bro, it's just like too much going on. I got to yeah, fly yeah. in the morning. Like, yeah. it's just, never mind. We'll just, I know I'll take, I'll take the heat on this. I'll take the heat on this. I said, they'll be all right. And I got all kind of death threats and hate mail. Yeah, man. I was like, man, we can't be skipping weeks. And he was like, you hey, did. man, I'm you like, did. Ah, we, I said, this kind of type where I got to wake up early. Like, yeah. they'll, they can do without for one week. Yeah. And I was wrong. And I apologize to all the people listening. So much so that this is Labor Day weekend. It is. This episode's coming it out is. on Labor Day. Yes. We might have even got away with not putting one out on Labor Day if we hadn't not recorded last week. Yeah. But I'm not going to risk it because the things I got, <laughs> some of the most vitriolic, like hateful things. Did you? You're a bitch. Like, Damn. don't I listen to this podcast. And don't take away. I'm like, okay, sorry. My bad. So I apologize. They to want the this fire, man. They need this heat. And I respect it. And I kind of thought they could survive a week without so. And I was wrong. And wow. it's been a while since we haven't, since we skipped a week. Yeah. And so I forgot how violent and evil some of these people can get. Especially people that got France Star in their bio. A lot of the people that ride for you, it's like yeah. they blame me. They just assume it didn't come out because of something I did. Because it is. That's true. This time, this time it is true. Y'all correct. But 
we're back and we're ready to the pod and uh yeah i just want to say shout out to the all the friends star friends uh, friends star fans out there i love all you guys thanks for holding me down yeah. it's little is that yeah. little little gems like that that just yeah. keep let keep the love alive meanwhile i'm over here slaving away the things yeah. I do for these people, they don't even know behind the scenes to make sure this podcast is running like a well-oiled machine. And all you have to do is every once in a while come out and go, hey, man, you know, I keep doing your thing out there. Shout out to y'all. And they go, oh, swoon. Fran Star, He's the best ever. I, I just, I don't understand it, but I'm not going to, I'm not a hater. That's one thing I've never been in my life. But we have come perfect time. Apropos, Fran. Hey, Fran, you ever been to Bed Bath & Beyond? I have. Um, there's always all kind of discussions about what the beyond is. Okay. You know, it's like bed I get. You know, bath. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I know. I see the towels, and there's linens, and there's bed sheets, and yeah, bed bath. What is the beyond? And this week, as like this weekend, uh, the CFO of Bed Bath and Beyond mm-hmm. fell, quote unquote, off of like a fifty story building to his death. Damn! Out like a balcony. Yeah, like off maybe either through an, from an apartment unit or from the roof of the building. I'm not Shit. sure. I'm sure more will be revealed. But uh, his name was Gustavo Arnal. Okay. He was the chief financial officer for Bed Bath & Beyond. He was just recently, like within the last week or two, charged with uh, like some kind of white-collar crime because he, oh. got, he, got discuss- he was pumping and dumping, which okay. is basically a pump and dump for people that don't know. A pump and dump is when you have stocks and you put out rumors that the stocks are about to take a huge hike. Something's coming down the pipeline. We're about mm. to be bought. Uh, we have a new product coming out. Something that's gonna. T- it's not like inside inside trader. Or it's, something like that? it's in the insider trader family. Okay, but it's more insidious because insider trader is true. Yeah, insider trade. Well, you normally, I guess, when it's not insider trading, is pumping and dumping. Insider trading is like Tesla is about to go public, so yeah. you should buy some Tesla stock or yeah. be prepared to buy Tesla stock or however that works. I'm not a stock expert, but pumping and dumping is like. Tesla's about to buy Bed Bath and Beyond, and the Beyond will be they'll be selling Teslas at Bed Bath and Beyond, and people yeah. go, "Wait, what? Elon Musk and and Bed Bath and Beyond? I got to go buy stocks in this." And they go, "Oh yeah, well I'll sell you my stocks," mm-hmm. and they sell you stocks that they bought for four dollars mm-hmm. for four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and you buy the stocks and everything. And then when the new it comes out, turns out that was a rumor that wasn't true. That's not happening. And then you go to try to sell the stocks that you bought bamboozled. Nobody wants to buy them because right. it's just Bed Bath and Beyond stock, yeah. and it's just still Bed Bath and Beyond. But that person turned four thousand dollars worth of stocks into one hundred and seventy thousand dollars worth yeah, of stock. Right. But in this case, this guy turned like, or he was he was in on the verge of he had sold because Bed Bath and Beyond is tanking. Like they closed like twenty six stores, yeah. so he 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 was dumping stocks, and he sold like a million and a half dollars worth of stocks. Shit, he had, but that was he sold fifty five thousand shares out of three hundred thousand shares. You can still do that by him working. For the company still? Oh, yo, bro. The Oh, all that shit is dark and fucked up and all that. Tr- yeah. Uh, mm. Yes, you can do that. You can sell your stocks while still working there and use your information to try to make moves and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's only about if you get caught doing it, honestly. Like, I'm, pro- I'm sure everybody insider trades that's in that field on a daily basis. Yeah. But it's about if you get caught doing it is what matters. But anyway, he had another, like, 255,000 shares that he could sell. He got caught pumping and dumping. And to the tune of somebody, like a group of people lost, uh, lost like a billion dollars in the middle of his, the transactions that he was doing. Because I'm sure he got a, he was selling all kinds of stocks, but just him alone, he made $1.5 million. Who knows how many stocks he was selling for other people and, and pumping and dumping for other people. Yeah. And it, to the tune of like a billion dollars was lost. Shit. And now this guy miraculously, after being charged and costing people a billion dollars, he just falls off of this roof. Mm-hmm. It's called like the Jenga building or something like that. That's what the nickname is. Um, because it's like a big tower. So it's a little bit of it's a, a white weird collar crime under the legal 
the legal definition, the yes. legal system. But when it gets dark, that's not that's more than a white collar crime. Oh, for sure. All, so but I, all I, white I, get, I, I get that of him being if he was pushed yes. off of a cliff or off of a balcony or whatever. Uh-huh. I get that part. Yeah. Because that's a ton of money. Billion, a billion dollars. <laughs> that's a it's ton not of money. a it's not a it wasn't yeah. cocaine. It's yeah, not yeah. A, so I guess that's the only difference. That's what makes it white collar is that we're talking about stocks. Yeah. But a billion dollars is a billion dollars. And I don't care how somebody somebody's willing to go like Yeah, I don't care oh, how yeah. you made your money. Yeah, you yeah. made your money selling do, making tech or whatever the fuck. You have a you have you have access to a billion dollars, you have access to a phone number of somebody that can handle some shit. Yeah. Absolutely. And they handle the shit better than like a gang would. Yeah. They the guy just falls off a bill. Now I'm not saying that's what shit. happened. He might have committed suicide because he didn't want to go to jail for, you know, five to seven years at some fucking club fit. He wouldn't have gone to, no. you know, it was, this. I don't know, a billion dollars is a lot. They got Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff is, he might still be in prison. I don't is know. he still alive? Oh, he might have died, actually. But he got like 35 years in prison for the shit he was doing. So a billion dollars, I don't know, maybe that's not, maybe that's not three to five years in club fed. But either way, I don't think he just accidentally, whoop, whoa, hey, slipped off the building 50 stories or whatever. Man. He either fell, to, he either jumped intentionally or he was pushed or thrown off, mm. killed before and then thrown off or something. But a, all I'm going to say is this guy was the CFO of Bed Bath & These are the facts because I don't want to indulge in conspiracy theory, even though I am a casual conspiracy consumer. You are, yeah. These are the facts. He was the CFO for Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond is tanking rapidly, stores closing every day. He was involved in a pumping and dumping scheme where he was bamboozling people into buying stocks for an inflated price. Mm-hmm. He cost a group of people somewhat close to a billion dollars, if not more. He was making millions of dollars off the stocks that he was selling himself. He fell off of a 50-story building mm-hmm. and is dead. Those are the facts. Who is the, who's, who's the ops of Bed Bath & Beyond? Ooh. Um, For them to be closing stores? Like, what is? Probably just like, bro, Amazon is Amazon. killing everybody. Like, If you can buy Amazon body wash. Ooh, yeah. Mm. If you can buy body wash online... That's the thing. It's crazy how what online shopping has done because there's so many things that I've bought online that 10, 15 years ago, I would go, you have to buy this in the store because you want to try it on or smell it to make sure. Where now people just go, I know what watermelon peach lotion smells like. I'll buy it in bulk off of Amazon as opposed to going to Bed Bath & Beyond and getting it. Yeah, man. I know. Or these towels I deliver, have five-star reviews. All this bullshit. Yeah. Or I these towels. Dog have, food. People don't. People go to school. <laughs> yeah, people don't go to store, store for dog food. Anymore. Reading bags. It's all heavy. Shit. Yeah. They go five-star review. That's the thing. The review system has changed everything yeah. about life in human society. Yelp, Red Rotten Tomatoes, Amazon. People just take the word of if it has for me, and I, I'm, a, I'm a sheep too. I'll, I'll admit to this. If it has more than five thousand reviews mm-hmm. and it's a four and a half star review yeah and i'm looking to buy something that's in that category i'm gonna buy that yeah me too i've never i didn't i don't have to go hold it weigh it look at it test drive it whatever the fuck i go five thousand people think this is dope except jeans i don't buy online well buy you know jeans. i'm thick so uh, you know and you are opposite yeah so it's like I that's how yeah you're like these are gonna fall off of me. yeah for me i'm like it might <laughs> right. it might have my right waist yeah but when it gets down around the thighs and the cheeks mm-hmm. is this gonna be too x-rated stuffed in in there yeah i don't want to be okay. th- thick in my jeans yeah looking like buffy the body that's an yeah. old reference looking like megan the stallion that's not a, a buffy the body yeah that was an old wow. that was an old I, I, I dated myself with that one wow but uh anyway man <laughs> that was a throwback one. <laughs> she was like so mythological long. when we were like freshman high school dudes would be like have you seen uh, buffy the body uh on a magazine cover like no what is it she's man yeah but she was like megan the stallion before megan the stallion except she didn't do anything but 
have ass. Yeah. Like me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, but surprisingly, there's many a thing that people don't need to touch or smell or try mm-hmm. before buying that people definitely used to do. Yeah. Shirts. I, so many shirts I've bought. Yeah, they're just like, bought. I don't know, large, yeah. medium. That's cool. That fits. I think. I like know my measurements kind of. Yeah. So I go, ah, oh, this measurements look like they're fine. Or this guy says he's this height and this weight. I go, if that's in the review, I'll go, well, I'm not about that height and that weight. So yeah. this will fit me too. Size, size charts and stuff. Yeah. So to, when you ask who the ops of Bed Bath & Beyond is the same ops of Victoria's Secret and all these other companies that are closing and like, Victoria's Secret is closed? Well, well, a lot of Victoria's Secret stores have closed. And that's more to do, Victoria's Secret has more to do with their image. Like, they've been painted as this elitist uh, company that excludes people based on size and race and all these horrible things. And so people have been more conscious with their consumerism. And also, Rihanna dropped that Savage X Fenty, and it's the new Victoria's Secret. So, so. how many, give me a estimate of how many years you think you won't have no malls won't be will be non-existent. Ooh, I don't know if they'll ever be non-existent because food courts exist and American people love to eat food. Um, and sometimes people will go to the mall to get a small thing so they can go to the food court and get food. So like a Macy's, like it'll, I think stores, major stores will still exist and still have like brick and mortar, like the Apple store will still exist. So Instead of an Apple Store putting a standalone store, I think they'll you, they have some, but they're usually in malls. I think I, I Macy's. Think, yeah, I think that as many malls there there are now, I think it will be less of them. In for like, sure, I agree with that. Arundel Mills, like this is just that's a local, local reference. Mm-hmm. Those huge malls like that, that Mall of America, though mm-hmm. I feel like it will be more, more of those, those malls. Yeah, because you those do more like, than just shop. And, has, and those like terrace, you know, I'm sorry, terrace. Tourist oh, attractions. Where are we going? Tourist attractions where you can just like, you in it's like town, it's so big. Go, it's so big There's and it's so fun and so much shit to here. do. Mm-hmm. I feel like those, just, you know, will be relevant more longer than like these small local malls. Yes, like, I agree with that. Maybe 15, 20 years. That's Could be gone. be gone. Yeah, there will yeah. definitely be less malls. And then there'll be more like, Streamlined, like everybody will right. go to the one Just of the, the three malls mall. instead of one of the seven. Yeah, you know, I agree with that for sure. But like malls not existing, I couldn't see that happening because like, I don't know. it's also that's also like so fucked up in capitalist because what about kids that want jobs? You know what I mean? Like, what about a kid that wants to work at a clothing store in the mall? Or like, people still need to work. Yeah, like, you can't just buy everything online, games, bro. Kids play video games. Yeah, but bro. everybody can't play. People need to make money. You know what I hey mean? Man, look. That's my belief. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I used to work at the mall. You used to work at the mall. Yeah. Like you can't, malls can't not exist. Like that's a place where kids go and work and, yeah, and but hang they, out. And, yeah. But once, know. once owners find out like, Hey, cause Amazon is on the forefront of this. Oh, when, yeah. it get, when they make stores where it's like, Oh, you only need two employees to work there. Oh yeah. Yeah. They already have those stores where they, what? there's no employees. Yeah. It was like Airport. Whole Foods don't Amazon own Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And they, like have, that? they have grocery stores that you just yeah, can yeah. walk in and put everything in your car and it like reads your Biorhythm or something, and then yeah. when you walk out, it charges your Amazon account or whatever yeah, the fuck. So yes, that is the future. I do believe that, but people need to work. Like, think about. I told you about you this. Work, like the toll booths here. I don't know about everywhere, but there are no more people at toll booths. Yeah, that is. Just, I don't, and I don't even know the the behind the scenes of that. How those people found out they don't have jobs anymore, but there are no more people. I've haven't given a dollar to a toll booth worker the COVID, since twenty twenty. COVID shot let you down. No. But it was an excuse. It was like, oh, we can do this without excuse. people here so why would we bring them back after we can it was legitimate though i mean it was like it's true it, it yeah, is a, it's like the money back full of germs yeah, yeah okay, it's well, a, let's it's, just yeah. now we have a reason a legitimate reason to get rid of eh, let's do it now yeah it's a superfluous job but it still was a job people relied on for many years yeah that's true. or automatic checkout 
You know what I mean? Those are kids. These are jobs that, not just kids, but like people, these are jobs. People need jobs. You need to be able to go get a job and work. And it's like, oh, okay, well, now we have seven automated registers, and yeah. so that's less people you working. You need one person to sit here and watch it. Yeah, just do, make that sure that it comes over and goes, boop, 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 yeah. bananas. That's it. But, and that's the only time they need, or need it really when you do produce. Yeah. That's get, that's get hard. It gets hard for me sometimes. I'm yeah. Like, get away and shit. Yeah, yeah, tomatoes. And it's hard to find the thing sometimes. But I'm just saying, like, these jobs are being eliminated, and the mall is another one of those situations where, because at the end of the day, the things that I'm saying, if you're just talking about a food court will make money. But if you're saying, well, a kid should be able to go work at H&M for his first job. And you go, well, if nobody's coming into H&M because they're buying their clothes online, then we're just paying this kid to be in this mall and we're not making any money at the store. So it doesn't make any sense. Well, you put them in warehouses. If people are going to order more online, yes, they're making warehouses, then more jobs open up in warehouses. Sure. But then you hear stories about like Amazon and how fucking terrible the warehouse jobs are and people are unionizing and making them work without bathroom breaks and yeah. stuff so it's more exploitation point, available when you make a more strenuous job yeah but like you said people need to work so it's like yeah beggars can't be choosers if you got to work then it's like if i got to go in here and be hot as shit yeah and pack these clothes up for people then it's like it's it's what i gotta do but that's i think that that's fucked up because that that wasn't what i had to do i got to just have I mean, like times changing but that so, but they're changing for the bad like if, if it's like oh the only jobs available are like warehouse jobs and and tough conditions and you know, bulk packaging and all these things. And, you know, it's like, yeah, man. I don't know. It's just is, I think now the days of like a fun mail, a fun mall job. Man, no. I mean, you remember, bro. No, I mean, maybe our experience is it's all about better. being an entrepreneur now, man. That's what it's all about. You're, you are participating in the capitalist uh, <laughs> scheme. <laughs> and listen, I'm not anti-capitalism. I, yeah. you know, I think people should make money. But one of the biggest draws of capitalism and how it gets people is like, you can do this too. Yeah. And it's like, everybody can't be a millionaire. You can do the entrepreneur and start your own business and all this type of shit, and you are just either losing money or making as much money as you'd make as having a job, what, working more hours and is more fucking labor and stuff. And I guess it's good to own your own thing, but like no, everybody's not gonna. Everybody thinks like there's this breakthrough that's gonna happen. Like, whoa! If I go viral, I'll sell a million of these shirts. It's yeah. like only the, a few people that happens for, and everybody else just has like a shitty t-shirt brand. And that's great. Like, make sell your shirts and whatever. That's cool. But you're not. Everybody can't you're be not shit on people's dreams, man. Jesus no, I'm not here Christ. to shit on people's dreams. I'm just saying everybody can't be a millionaire. Everybody can't be an entrepreneur. We need actual jobs that exist, and and everybody can't be a DJ and an influencer and a TikTok dancer. Like these jobs, everybody can't. So have you these saying jobs. you saying it's okay for people to have to be like, you know, these jobs need to exist. So it's okay for these people to work hard while the people that own the businesses get to do whatever the fuck they want and make millions of dollars. And have a shitty life, and then those people have great lives. Wow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But what you just described is capitalism, and I don't think there's anything that can be done about that. What you just described is just capitalism. If you're making $100,000 a year, that's yeah. cool. That's a good salary. But if you're making $100,000 a year at a company, the company's making a billion dollars a year. That just is what it is. That's just capitalism, man. Like, somebody's getting exploited. That's the system. So, but- Let me but, just give everybody a million dollars, man. Hey man, it's, listen. It's money all that around. Tupac shit sounds cool. I'm agree. I agree. Yeah, man. I don't know how somebody can have thirty million dollars and sleep at night. I think that's fucked up. I, but you know, they not they're not going to give me a million of it. It just is what it is. So people need to people need to make so sofas. People need to do these jobs. Everybody can't be a podcast. Everybody yeah, can't be. A I get actor. that. I get that. But some robots, people's dreams have to die. Robots are, are being made, man. Every day, man. These. These people won't have jobs. That's what I'm saying. The jobs are being lost. Right. But, but so what are, supposed, what are these people supposed to do? The, the jobs are being lost. But also, the thing that's happening, we're all caught up in this system where we're being tricked into being like, be an entrepreneur. Be a TikTok dancer. And you're not realizing that everybody can't do that. And so you're, you're not even paying attention while jobs are being eliminated 
And then when you really crush, when your dream is finally crushed at 32 years old and you have a dollar sign tattoo on your face because you are a failed SoundCloud rapper and you want to get a job and you go, oh, there are no jobs out here. Because while I was busy following a fantasy, a dream, that 1% a of dream. people get. It could be a dream. I got to be a fantasy. A dream. That's fine. Some people, everybody doesn't get the dream, Fran. Like That's my point. Everybody doesn't like get the dream. Sound like a hater. Everybody doesn't get the dream is my point. And when you wake up one day, you finally realize like, oh my God, I'm not a TikTok dancer that's going to make millions of dollars and I need to get a job. And you go, oh my God, there's no jobs out here. Can you believe this? Everything's automated. Because we were all living in a dream and trying to pursue things and moving to LA or whatever the fuck, living in TikTok houses with people. And you wake up one day and you go, oh, I, this isn't, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I need a job. And you go, oh, there are no jobs. Because all the cars you know drive themselves and everything builds itself and everything sells itself. And I, where do I work? I don't appreciate you coming in here. Crush my. Uh, I wanted my to do dreams, a Texas my accent. Dreams, my dreams to be. I wanted to do a Texas accent. to be a TikTok dancer and make coming here. With, I could pull up to record my Lamborghini. I don't appreciate you crushing those dreams for me. Uh, I mean, I wanted to do a, a Texas accent the whole episode, and then you got real. Well, it was a shitty accent, so sorry. Okay, well, I crushed everybody's shitty dreams, so we're even. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's what's, what's going on with Bed Bath and Beyond in summation, and let's go ahead and get into these shoutouts. Oh yeah. Time to celebrate some of these awesome new patrons that we've acquired. Um, also, shout out to Wine and Crime. I was recently on a, a episode filling, filling in for Kenyon. Um, from what I've heard, she's doing great. She's just on a little bit of bed rest. She will be back soon. But I had a, f- a fantastic time hanging out with Amanda and Lucy, and I had a uh, you know I was really happy to be on there. Also, uh, Patreon. More stuff coming in the pipeline. AMP Radio's on there. Go ahead and check that out. Get you some vibes in your life. You know, and we got some more stuff coming in the summertime. What else we got coming, man? Fran's got some stuff in the works. Still, yeah, still getting, still getting, I do. I started actually one of them the other day. Did you really? I did. Oh, I'm excited. I, did, I don't even man. want to tell you guys, but there's, there's Fran's working on a project that I'm really excited to get down and yeah, get, get my hands on and, and start and start doing my part in it as well. And I think it's going to be really cool. I think people are going to be excited about that. But anyway, without further ado, up first, we got Allison. Shout out to you. Keep doing your thing out there. Thank you for the support. We love you. We support you and we think that you're great. Up next, we got Shauna. Shanana, Shanana, Shana, C H A N A, Shana or Chana, Chana L, Shana L, Shanana. What is it? C H C H A N A. Okay. I would go Chana. What over Shane? Ooh, whoa. There's no uh, squigglies over any of these okay. A's, but right. maybe right. I don't know. I found out that Kelsia is a name recently. Never heard of it. Like Kelsey, but mm-hmm. then Y A. So like Kelsia. You know, okay. never heard that name in my life, but every day you hear it's new original. Name. It's definitely original. That's a word for it. <laughs> uh, and lastly, we got Arian. Uh, okay. uh, Arian, yeah, Arian L. Shout out to Arian L. Uh, Is that a male? I don't know. Okay, let's not gender them because just to be safe. Sorry. Sorry. Shout out to them. Shout out to Arian L. Keep doing your thing. Uh, and I like that you're dismantling. I like that you rode with that because Arian has a negative connotation. People think of like the Arian Brotherhood, you know, Nazis, you things of that. That's what I think of when I hear the word Arian. Okay. Like, what do you think of Arian Foster? The Shout fo- out. The football player? He's a great football player. Yeah, yeah. He's a great football player. I didn't think of that, no. That's the first thing I think of immediately. No, but let's not throw shade on Arian L. They are Shout an awesome. Shout out to Arian. Yeah, shout out to Arian. They're out there doing their thing, and they're an awesome listener, and they're, and they're you know, taking back their name. Or I'm saying their name completely wrong. Probably. Mm. Probably not. Probably Arian? not, though. I don't know. Uh. I think this is, what the, if I'm looking at it, that's what that looks like. A-R-I-E-N-E-A-R-I-E-N-N-E. Arian, think said it right. Yeah, that's what let's I think. Yeah, let's go with it. Shout out to you and shout out to everybody. Yeah, shout out to all the Arians. Oh, uh, no, um, no, I don't want to shout out to all the Arians. Uh, 
Hey, man, you know, thanks to, hey, thanks to all the Patreon, Patreon <laughs> subscribers and all of them. And shout out to you, that one specific area, not all of them. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my MyLifeInABook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and... You know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP, that's A-M as in Mother's Day, P, at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time, that's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. All right, and we are back. Fran, uh, we missed a week, so I don't really remember the uh, rotation, so yeah. you know what that means. Rochambeau? Rochambeau. Okay. Okay. Ready? We're going to do best, best of th- three. Best of three. Okay. On three. That's on the three. three on three. One, two, three, and then boom. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, it's one, two. Yeah, no. One, two, three, shoot. Yeah, one, two, three, shoot. Okay. Okay. All right, yeah. Ready? Ready? All right. All right. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh. All right, okay. One, we're going to do... On three. Okay. On three. Best one, of two, three. three. One, two, three. Shoot. shoot. Okay, gotcha. Okay, all right. One, right. two, three. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, yes. Okay. One to <laughs> one to nothing. Okay, here we go. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, one, two, three. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, okay. Ooh. <laughs> one, one. One, one. Okay, one, one. Okay, oh, okay, hold on. You know I'm not clutch. This is the disadvantage I have. I've never been clutched the whole time we've known each other. Okay. Ooh, okay, 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 okay. One, two, three. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah! <laughs> I thought you was going to go paper. <laughs> I didn't right, think you going to go back to rock. I didn't think you was going to go back to rock. Yeah, I would have normally. <laughs> I would have normally done paper. And I and I went and I reversed and I went, no, th- th- throw them off last minute. Go rock. I could have sworn you was going to Oh, it was a risk. I was going to go paper. I was definitely going to go paper. All right, you go first. I'll go first. Okay, cool. Oh, man. Uh, All right, my affirmative murder this week is about the murder of James Brazer. That's a great name. You know how I I know people in high school that went by their last name? That's a good one. Brazer. Brazer, They just call you Brazer? Yep. So James Brazer, born 1926, a husband and father of 31 He's 31 years old. Oh, you're about to say of 31 children. No, no, no. Okay, I was like, what? Years old. Yeah, who served in the U.S. military during World War II, and he had been um, honorably discharged and had returned to Dawson. Dawson is in Georgia. Okay. He held two, maybe sometimes three jobs. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, Got to make those ends meet. Yeah. 
<laughs> through the company that owned um, the Chevrolet dealership. Hmm. So he had a, they had to be black in the South. Yeah. Decent, decent job. job. Decent mm-hmm. job. Then you got other jobs supplementing. Yep, those ends, exactly. those ends, they probably were eating pretty good ends meat. Yep. And his Hattie, his, I'm sorry, his Hattie, and his wife Hattie mm-hmm. worked two jobs. So sometimes he worked two, three, and then she had, she two. had two, and he had uh, four kids. He had two boys and two girls. Okay. Nice little nuclear family in America. Yep. And by him working at the Chevrolet dealership, he had a special and unapologetic love for cars. Mm. So one Sunday, which is like a normal Sunday for him and his family, um, the Brazer family started their day at Aho Baptist Church in Dawson, Georgia. Mm-hmm. They, then they drove from there, they drove 20 miles to Mount Mary Baptist Church in Sasser. They went to two churches? They went to two churches. And you know black people church. Long. It's long. So after church services ended, James got into his 1950 blue and white Chevy Impala. Mm, badass car. With the wings. It's got the, in the, the back. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, badass yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. This brand new. Yes. Brand new car. And his dad... Mr. Odell uh, Brazer got into his 1956 Chevy, Chevy Impala that James bought for him a couple years ago. Oh, and that's, oh, that's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, you man. Buy your dad a nice car, and then you guys roll to church together and pull off clean, together. Clean, man. Clean. So, again, you know, he maybe got a discount or whatever on these cars, but these mm-hmm. were some nice cars at the time, and he was able to afford two of them. Yeah. So what he would do is at the church services, he would, you know, drop off family members that also went to church. Mm-hmm. He would drop them off, and then he would, you know, go ahead and head home. So as he was driving back home through Dawson, at the time was was a familiar sighting in the South um, that he feared that occurs still to this day. Uh, but at the time, this was in, you know, the notorious Jim Crow era. Yes. A white cop harassing or assaulting an innocent black man. Oh, man. What do you even do back then? I mean, if I saw that happening in the day, I might pull over, pull my phone out and just monitor the situation. Yeah. But also, no, I have a lifeline to thousands of people exactly. that if, if the cop goes... Are you filming me? Because yeah. now I'm in the altercation now if that happens. Yep. But people see that I'm, people see this happening to me now. But if you just are on some road in the middle, in the 1950s, and you see some shit happening, and you pull over and go, hey, man, you don't need to be doing it to him like that. Now you're in the mix. Yeah, man. He could call back up. He could lie and say, you had a gun kill you. Hey, hey, keep that, keep all that in mind. Keep all that in mind. I'm just, I can, you know what I mean? Like, I just, you, it's easy to picture the situation. Just because yeah. it's just yep. like, yep. I can put myself in his shoes. Um, so again, this was in uh, the Jim Crow, Jim Crow era, yes. and he saw a white cop harassing or assaulting an innocent black man. So James had a reason to feel the way he did at this time because James had been arrested seven times in the last four years. Wow! And still right. was able to carve out this nice life that he had. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so he had been charged. He had been charged with speeding, contempt, disorderly conduct. It's the car. Drunk, disorderly, drunk and or disorderly conduct, and a DUI. It's the car. Hating. Yeah, man. Yes, Hayden. Yep. Uh, and the, their fines around that time was between you know, ten to fifteen dollars. That's what the fines were. That's not that bad. I mean, I don't, well, we got I don't know inflation. Right. Fifteen. But, but he might, making, fifteen he making might money. be sixty. He making money. So he's like, he, but he, he might. He, that's what I'm, but that's how you get the contempt. Yeah. When you go, we gonna well, you know something. We are gonna write you a fine. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Write well, me too. Sure, hey, I'm sure he didn't say that because well, that would be the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, it's true, true, yeah, true. 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 So in November 1957, when James Brazer was driving his new 1958 Chevy Impala, mm-hmm. Dawson police officer Wayman Burkle, Ugh. Wayman Burkle Cherry was his whole name. It's a gross name. Had stopped him. Wayman Burkle. Yep. Charged him with a DUI and speeding and arrested him. This is when he pulled over when he saw what was happening? Or is this a different? This is a different. This okay, is got it. Okay. Yeah. 
So when Cherry took him to jail, Brazer would later tell his wife the officer hit him, oh. hit him so hard in the back of the head that Brazer fell to the ground and said, you smart son of a bitch. Mm. Brazer recalled Cherry saying, I've been wanting to get my hands on you for a long time. So many people, they've been whispering about him. Yeah, man. And Brazer responded, why you want me for? Also, let me, I got I because this was, I got this from an article was, it was great article. So this is from the Georgia Civil Rights Cold Case Project at Emory University. Okay. So this was done by some students that went to the Emory University that did research on this, on this article. Yeah. It's a pretty good article. Um, this is the only resources I really had that had, that laid out the whole thing from beginning to the court and the final ruling. Okay. And I just wanted to mention that the, uh, the editor that person edited this was Hank Kilmanoff. So okay. Let me sure I put that out there first. Shout out to him. So again, um, this guy, Mr. Cherry, this officer, Mr. Cherry, arrested him, beat him up while he was in prison, and was picking on this guy. Yeah, he was targeted. He was targeted and was like, you know, I've been wanting you. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Brazier's like, what you want me for? And then what he said was, you know, again, this is Jim, Jim Crow era, South. He's like, you was a nigger What's who was name? buying new cars and we can hardly live. Mm-hmm. You know how much of a hater you got to be? Like, that's like, yeah, that's elite haterism. Yes. He's like, I wish I had a nice car. Why should you have a nice car? You're black. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. And that still persists today. Today. And I think where I go, I don't really want, I don't really know if I want like a nice, nice car because I don't want the attention of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's it's not even that. Even think just, about that. Yeah, that and just those type of people that's going, you know, why does, why does he, yeah, why how did he get black that? guy deserve this Drug car? dealer. Yeah. You know? And I think, that is a big reason why black people, maybe not. Maybe it's just, to me, I think this is, this is the reason why a lot of black people have tents on their car. Because I think it's not want, just about how it makes the car look. It's I about, don't I, be don't seen. Want, I don't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And that could, sometimes that could be taken in an insidious way. Like maybe this person is doing some illegal things. But it also just like, maybe if you don't see me, you'll leave me alone. Yep. Yep. That's sad, man. Yeah, man. So he said that, Trey uh, said, I'll, I'll, I'll get you yet. He hit Brazer again, then stomped him in the back so hard. Haiti Brazer, which, you know, Mrs. Jane's wife, mm-hmm. would later say that she could see Mr. Cherry's shoe print on her husband's back. That's crazy. When he was returned home, vomiting and with blood coming from his ears. So I'm guessing he paid his fine or whatever, um, got his ticket, whatever. And then they just let him out. Let him out. Wow. On another Sunday in April, Mr. James Brazer was driving and saw Dawson police officer Randolph Ennis McDonald had pulled over another black motorist on the side of the road. And as Brazier got closer, he noticed that the black motorist was his father, Odell. So another officer showed up at the scene. He and Mc, uh, this off, new officer that came and McDonald tried to force Odell in the patrol car, but Odell was resisting. So McDonald, officer McDonald put out a slapjack and hit Mr. Odell across his eye and the bridge of his nose. Mm. Seeing all of this, Mr. James, seeing all of this as Mr. James got closer, and then he noticed that it was his father that was. So he know, saw this dude get hit and was like, damn, I can't believe he hit that dude like that. And yeah. then you and see it's your dad? So then, probably peeped the car first and was like, well, yeah, the car looks familiar. Yeah. And then that's nah, my father. Shit is going to get, shit is, shit is, shit is going to get real. Yeah. So what he did, I mean, he, he, he did what any son would do if they saw their father, mother, whatever, in a, in a predicament like this. He got off his car and yelled, don't hit my daddy. And he's, this was, he was like, look, he got out the car yelling, don't hit my dad, but I'll help you. Whatever is going on, I'll help you get him into the patrol right. vehicle. But don't hit him like but that. But don't hit him like that. Right? So the officers, the officers, 
He said he yelled at he yelled, "Don't hit my daddy!" to the officers, but offered to help help him get in the patrol car. With James living in the Jim Crow South and being surrounded by white supremacists, it wasn't just him pulling up and jumping in the middle of this and saying, "Hey, get off my dad." Mm-hmm. It was that wasn't what pissed the police off. It was him, Mr. James, and his pops having these dope ass vehicles. Yeah. Living good life, probably see him around town going yeah. to dinner. It's what, pissed, yeah. it's what pissed these of officers course. off more than anything else. You know, it's also crazy because you mentioned he hit him with a slapjack. A slapjack, when you talk about how police and. Is slapjack the one with the handle on it? Was that a, was that a baton? What is it? That's, that's, a baton is what it is today. Okay. But a slapjack was like a thick, it almost was like a thick whip. It was, oh, but okay. it was shorter. It, it became a baton. This is a slapjack. So it's like a braided, but it's like rubber. It's oh, like, it's, so it's like a variation on a whip. And you know, police mm. is a, is a, is a, you know, it was an offshoot of slave catchers. So oh, the idea shit. that they were walking around with these, like basically like a, 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 a compact, like a sawed off whip is basically yeah. what a blackjack is. Mm. And that's their weapon of choice when they're going and handling these situations. Yeah. It's like, it almost, it, it's like, yeah, just don't re- keep in mind where our origins came from. We're the Shit. 2.0 of the slave catchers, so now we got a little bit of something like a whip. Mm, I didn't know? know that. Yeah, that's mm. crazy. Cause it's like, I thought a slapjack was a baton. I just thought nah, it was No, the a... baton became, okay. they, I guess they made it more thick and pro- more brutal, I guess, because I'm slapjack probably just hurts a little bit, but a, a, like a nightstick as it is today, yeah. which I don't even think police carry really anymore. I think they just carry guns they, to they, murder They got people. tasers now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But like uh, the slapjack became a nightstick, but a slapjack, it kind of looks like a whip. Hmm. Now it doesn't like you know it doesn't it's not floppy it's real yeah. thick but it's like a braid. Is it like a modern type of at that time a, a whip? Kinda, it's just like it's, they condensed it into yeah exactly small yeah it's like braided and leather and yeah it's like kind of like a whip. Shit. And so that's crazy that they were that's what they would carry you know hmm. when they were an offshoot of slave catchers, which is what modern police is. Wow. Hmm. Uh, and then they getting hit in the face with that shit, man. Uh, so yeah, again, so the brazers having these nice cars. Is what pissed these fucking these, sure. these white cops off. Of course. And then they're drunk and all this. Thing. Yeah. Uh, so James was working three jobs to make ends meet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, and this is your ends meet. He's, mm-hmm. This is what you thought was, you know, meant ends meet. For dinner. But not really because he would have all these jobs. So he was eating, eating so good. he could meet, he could eat all the meat mm-hmm. that he could. That he, he was eating he really, he was, he was really, he was eating really good ends meat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because uh, he was getting the bag. I mean, him and his wife was. All working, working hard for it, but they were getting money. Yeah. And because it was well known for, it was well known that he was making more money than these jealous officers. Yeah. And that Miss James was living, you know, this comfortable, you know, in a black person perspective, I guess, Mm -hmm. a comfortable middle class life for For a black person. You know what I mean? Which, you know, if when, when you think about this time, stereotypically, you would think it's not, this is not that common. Right. But, I'm sure it's more common than the history books would let us like us to believe. They want us to. They want everybody to think we were always eating chitlins and fucking struggling, and it's just always been like that. And it's like, no, there were, you know, you look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, or you look like, you know, there yeah. na- there were neighborhoods that were thriving just fine, and they were systematically demolished. So yeah, yeah, man. But um, they like, oh no, it's always we're always just on the stoop begging for stuff and had tattered clothes and eating poorly and stuff. It's like no, when we tried to pull ourselves up by those bootstraps. Yeah. People would come and destroy what we had built. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, if they if he didn't have this nice car, only because he worked for the company. Yeah, if he was driving a rusty truck and had on like overalls and was and was a was a uh, a sharecropper. Yeah, they would be like, yeah, whatever. Take your black ass down and do what we expect you to do. But when you come out in the suit 
with the little chain hanging from a, uh, you know, yeah. you got like a pocket watch thing. Got and a clean you, suit on. Yeah, you got a nice no. clean car. Why do you get like, to look no. like that? You should be poor. Yeah. Because you're black. Yeah. So after putting Mr. Odell in Terrell County Jail, Officer Cherry joined Officer McDonald to pay Mr. James a visit. Um, Hattie noticed a police car speeding down North Ash Street where her and Mr. James and their four children lived. Officers pulled up to the home without a warrant, jumped out of the car and said, what did you say you was going to do to me earlier? So after the incident with his dad, uh-huh. they dropped the dad off in, at jail and they banged the U and they knew what he's got. They knew, they knew what he's got to live that. Yeah. That's where they was going immediately. Yeah. Now they're like off duty or like away from, you know, now they just doing do some extra want. shit. Yeah. They're just doing some extra shit. And Mr. James went, I didn't say I was going to do anything to y'all. And as neighbors, there was neighbors watching um, as everything was starting to unfold. And the officers said they were coming to arrest him for interfering with a police officer. Wow. It's like, come on. It's like, I guess that's, that's the best you can use. Yeah. You're going to spin the block after you done drop my dad off to be like, oh, he was interfering officer. Like, come on now. Well, you know what happened yeah. probably is like, you know, they were like, and can you believe his son had the nerve yeah. to talk to you like that? Tell yeah. him, don't hit my dad and yeah. all this and I'll help you, but don't do it again. Who does he get off? How's he, who do you think he is talking to you? Oh like that? yeah, they pissed. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's fucking yeah. Who yeah. does he think he is? Just dwelling on that, and it's like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna go back and yep. and, and, and get him. Mm-hmm. So officers forced Mister James into the car. James Junior, which is James Brazier's son, mm-hmm. came to intervene like Elder James did to his father Odell. Mm. Wow! But the officers swatted him away, and they started to beat on Mister James. Mm. Officer Cherry slammed James in the forehead and pulling. And pulling uh, his his pistol out, stuck it to Mr. James's chest. And this is from Miss Haiti. This is this, this is her account. Mm-hmm. And she also recalled hearing Mr. Cherry say, "All to blow your goddamn brains out, you smart son of a bitch." Mm. Brazer responded, "Well, shoot me if you want to. I ain't done nothing for for y'all to treat me like this." Witnesses saw Cherry pistol whip James, and Cherry denied that. Officer Cherry said, "I didn't do anything." He said he didn't do that. All the neighbors saw what happened, right? I bet James's face is fucking busted open, too. Yep. All the neighbors saw what happened, described the beating from Cherry and McDonald as merciless. Mm. And the officer said they wasn't rough on him at all. Yeah. But Why were you there? Right. I, it's crazy that you don't even get to ask that question back then, because who do you ask that question to? The, the, the police chief? They go, they were doing their job. Like, yeah. Why were you back at their house? When you, they had just nobody's made gonna bond nobody's going to question them. You know, like, that's question. the question to ask. Is like, yeah. why are you on their lawn when they just made bail and went home? Right. So, officers said, you know, we wasn't rough, wasn't rough on him. But as soon as they got back to the county jail, they called a physician. Right. They said he wasn't rough on him, and they didn't they didn't but do he anything. A doctor, but he needed a doctor to look at. Him, right. Again, we in the South, people. They called a physician, Doctor Charles Ward, to examine Mister James and his condition. There were no black physicians in Dawson and a few in Georgia, especially, especially in rural Georgia. Ward, who was a white physician, Mm -hmm. a member of the Dawson City Commission and employed by the county hospital to examine inmates, saw blood in Mr. Brazier's ear and nose and observed his slurred speech. And he beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah. Right. He's fine. Dr. Ward would later acknowledge that he did not ask uh, Mr. James Brazier how he got these injuries. He said, I never, a- I never asked such, such questions because I'd rather not know what happened. Wow. That's like too honest. That's <laughs> right. like too honest. You can say whatever you want. 
I don't know what happened to this guy. I'm not going to ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask, don't tell. So they ignored clear signs of a fractured skull, possible brain damage. Mm. Mr. Ward, again, this is the physician, guys. Diagnosed, diagnosis was that this fucking guy was just drunk. Wow. He was just Bleeding drunk. out of his ears and his nose and he was just slurring because he's drunk. Yep. Not because his brain is probably swollen. Just drunk. Gave Mr. James a couple bandages to cover up a couple severe lacerations and told the officers to check up on him every couple of hours. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to do that. You, it's like you can't, it's like as these events, it just, it gets worse. It's like yeah. you're getting harassed by the police every damn day or every Sunday, whatever, you know it is. And then it's like, they beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Get away with it. I need help. I need medical attention. Doctor comes, gives you some bandages. And the doctor's damn racist and he's like, He's just drunk. He's all right. Don't worry about it. See you at the, see you at the golf range on Monday? Like, you sure will. Yep. Go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend that you check on him every couple of hours. But, you know, do what you do. I don't know. Yep. That's your business. And you know the saddest part of all this shit is? What does that say to the neighbors of this family? It's like, don't try. Don't get a nice car. Stay low. It's fear. Yeah. Like, don't like, succeed. I'd rather not be rather successful. Just be, be poor. And just be Because I don't alone. have to deal with that shit. That's sad, man. Yeah. So, Mr. Mr. James Braze is in, in jail, and the beatings continue. Mm. I mean, he beat the shit out of him in, in, his, in front of his family at his had house. Had a doctor check on him, and then beat him up after the and doctor. Then, and then, you know, the doctor checked on, checked on him, and then they put him in a cell. One night, in the middle of the night, they went in and got it. Well, I'm going to get into it now. The beatings continued. Officer Cherry and McDonald grabbed James out of his cell in the middle of the night. As other inmates watch, they blindfolded Mr. James Brazer. Did whatever they did, beat the shot him again, returned him three hours later, wrapped up, wrapped up in a U.S. Army blanket, stripped from his clothes, and was bloody, damn near lifeless. The next day, right, after all the shit went down, mm-hmm. unable to talk and walk, get his thoughts together to be able to speak coherently, Brazer had to go to court to enter a plea to, enter a plea to the charge. What was but, the charge? Fucking obstruction, interfere, interfering I don't, some bullshit he just made up. But because of James' condition, it was postponed. That's his wife comes into court and was shocked to see her husband slumped over in a chair in his condition. The mayor was the acting judge, acting as a judge. What? And told, yeah, <laughs> the mayor was acting acting uh, as a judge and told <laughs> Mr. James's shit? wife to take him home and bring him back in a couple days. Miss Haiti said, fuck you. Yeah. She didn't say that, but I'm, I'm, if she could, Par- she would have. Paraphrasing. Do a little paraphrasing. She could, if she mm-hmm. could, she would have said that. Mm-hmm. And she raced, she put her husband in the car and raced to get him the medical attention that he She took him to the hospital. Needs. Yes. Take him home. But again, they're in Dawson, Georgia. There's not a lot of places they can go. They went to another spot. Same doctor comes up. Dr. Ward. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he's fine. He's just drunk still. Dr. Ward's office, right? Then they get there. He's like talking to somebody that works at the prison. And then she goes and interrupts all this. Like, look, my husband needs medical attention. Now, I don't think she knows that, he was that Dr. That, Ward is the guy that... definitely doesn't. Right. So she was like, okay, I'm leaving to take him somewhere else. So Dr. Ward goes, I'll take a look at him. Right? Mm-hmm. I'll, take, I'll agree to take a look at him. And he told Miss Haiti, it ain't nothing I can do for him, Widow. Widow? Essentially writing him off. He's going like, to die. He's going to die. Like, he's dead, but he's he's still alive right now, but... He's dying. He's dying. So, Haiti Brazer rushed her husband to Columbus, Georgia, 60 miles away, oh. where he was admitted to a, a Columbus uh, Medical Center. 
As James Brazier awaited medical care, his father, Odell Brazier, quickly pleaded guilty to reckless driving and driving under the influence. Um, and then headed to Atlanta where he met with FBI agents to tell the terror of Ter- Terrell County. Mm-hmm. FBI agents began an investigation that was never quite full tilt. It was encouraged by the Department of Justice New Civil Rights Division, but not embraced on, not embraced in the FBI's headquarters. But agents encountered unique Georgia laws that limited federal investigations into lo- local law enforcement wrongdoing. So it's not much they can do because of these local laws that Georgia have in place. Yeah. So the FBI presence did nothing to stop what happened next in Dawson and Terrell County. Over the next month, police officer Mr. Cherry shot a black electrician in the ass, in the butt, sorry, in the butt, then shot and killed a black man, 32-year-old black man, for driving a solar company vehicle. Uh-huh. His name was Willie Countryman. Did he steal it? I mean, what? he just was driving. God was just fucking working. I don't have all of these, but it's yeah. like... It's, it, it wasn't worth shooting him about. Right. It wasn't worth killing this man. Yeah. Um, and then there was a 21-year-old black man who was playing ball outside of his house, saw police, saw Ran. a police car. Ran. Ra- no, he raised his oh. hand as if, this is what they were saying, he raised his hand as if he, he was holding an imaginary gun. It's crazy how and these- And Dawson police arrested him. It's crazy how these, like, five defenses- mm-hmm. Last so many generations. Yeah, he he did a point a threatening gesture to me. That's why I pulled over and yep. I and I beat him and then he died. Or yep. you know he ran when he saw me. Like these things is like it's almost like they have a, a playbook of things that they can say, where then the investigation is like well justified. Yeah. Well, he did a point. He probably maybe pointed a finger gun at you and that meant he was going to kill you. So of course you pulled over and things got out of hand because he yeah. was. I mean he already he already threatened you. Who knows what he did when you pulled him over? You had every right to shoot him. Right. And that that's that could be said. In a, a story about an unjustified shooting today, yeah, as a real defense, like yeah, he pointed his fingers at me. It looked yeah. like he did a gun. I got pulled over once, and the police officer said that to me. It was me and Les. They were driving the wrong way down a one way street, mm-hmm. and we were driving the right way. So I, when when they we rolled past each other, I was doing like a, Yo, oh man, f- remember you told me what the yeah, fuck yeah. are you? What are you doing? Yeah, they spun around and I, they put like a. Like the little cherry in the in the window, they had like a oh, <laughs> like joint. a yeah like a yeah, yeah. and put it on the dashboard and it was spinning around like a little red light because it, it was a Chevy Cobalt like my car. Yeah, where the fuck were you at? Just in the city. Oh, but I was in the neighborhood. Uh huh. I was in, oh, I was in the neighborhood, an old house I used to live in. And then when they spun around, so I was like, I pulled over, and they got out of the car and were like, "Yeah, you like? Did you like point something at us?" I was like, "No, I was pointing at you because you're going the wrong way. This is a one way." Yeah. And then it was like two cops, and the other guy was like. You can only go one way. And the guy was like, have a good night. Yeah. The guy just made such a bad. It was like, I didn't even know. How to respond. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? And they were like, have a good night. And they got in their car and just drove away. Stupid as shit. But like, if that good, if that would have went wrong, he could have said they, it looked like they pointed something at yeah. us in the, yep. from the window. It was dark. It looked like I thought it might've been a weapon. Yep. So again, these off, these are, this officer has been in these crazy situations. This, this is not, this is he's not new to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just going. He's around a problem and, officer. He's, yeah, he's a bad going apple around and assaulting black people mm-hmm. every chance he gets, and got away with killing one, somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, he it was a twenty one year old guy that said that he pointed an imaginary gun at him, and they arrested this guy, and they went to court. Oh no, his mom went to bail him out, mm-hmm. and she was thrown in, in in behind bars. Wow. Yep. So two officers, including McDonald. McDonald were involved in beating another black man. So on April 25th, five gruesome 
painful days after uh, his Sunday afternoon drive through Dawson, James Brazer passed away. On the day of James Brazer's funeral at Ajo Baptist Church, Dawson police inflicted one more insult on the Brazer family. As Odell Brazer was driving through town, he saw a Dawson police car following him. He drove with special care to, you know, avoid getting pulled over. Yeah, because it's the day of his son's funeral, right? Yeah, it's like, all right, man, I know they're going to pull me over. So let me just make sure I'm driving, have both hands on the wheel. Yeah. Below the speed limit. Yep. So he again he drove with special care to avoid giving them any reason to stop him. It didn't matter. Still put him. They arrested him, claiming that he had ran a stop sign. Wow. Um, so just some 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 extra facts. Uh as in much of the South, Terrell County was majority black. And minority ruled in the late 1950s and beyond. So black represented 64% of the county's 12,700 population in 1958. Mm-hmm. But only about a hundred blacks were registered to vote. A hundred black people. Fear. Yep. We're registered to vote. The county's economy was dependent on peanut and cotton crops, and its people were poor. The medium and annual income in the U.S. was, at the time, $5,600. In Terrell County, the median was less than half, was less than half of that. So $2,557. But it was the impoverishment of blacks that weighed down the countrywide number. White families in Terrell County had a medium annual income of four thousand three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Black income was less than the third of that. So even so even thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So even the white people that were poor were significantly less poor than the black people in their same county. Yep. So Officer Cherry and McDonald made substantially less than that. Oh wow! As cops. Yeah. So by Mister James Brazen making more money than that. Mm-hmm. That's where the jealousy comes from. Jealousy comes from. And then we already know about the education. You know, the the percentage is higher for a white. I think it's like, what did it say? In Terrell County, Terrell County whites over 25 years old had a 10th grade, you know, education. Mm -hmm. Blacks had like fourth or fifth. So um, in Dawson, Georgia, you may may know some of these people. There were three noticeable people that came out of Dawson, Georgia, which was Benjamin J. Davis who was a Harvard Law graduate and a member of the City Council of New York City. There was Walter Washington, uh, who was the first black mayor of Washington, D.C. And there was Otis Redding, who was born in uh, Dawson, Georgia. on the dock of the bay. Great song. Um, Who was also born there. But these people left. Yeah, like... They was gone. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. And uh, the only person that stayed was Mr. Dawson that that we know mm-hmm. from doing the story that he's the only person that stayed and he was killed. Yeah. He was killed when he stayed in. And these people are not mentioned in historic markers, anything, city, county, websites, yeah. anything. Uh, uh, there's no like a uh, plaque Nothing. somewhere. Uh, uh, Otis Redding is from, no, they don't, we don't give a shit. Yeah, no. He's not, he's not important here. He's not important here, which is, which is crazy. That's man. wild. That's, like, that no. you wouldn't have like the Otis Redding, a doc named after Otis Redding or something yeah, in Dawson, Georgia yeah. is wild. Yep. So James Brazier's death went unreported to the local mainstream new, uh, weekly newspaper, the Dawson News. So did the death of Willie Countryman, who was shot in his own backyard by Officer Cherry a month later. So did Officer Cherry's shooting of Toby Lattimore, who was another incident that he was involved in, and his assault with Officer Edwin Harold Jones 
on Billy Flagg, whose mother was arrested when she showed up to court to bail her son out. Or showed up to jail to bail to bail her son out. And you know what I bet happened? I bet she saw her son and he was fucked up. Fucked up. And she's yeah. like, What did you do to my son? And then they're like, She's yeah. in here making a fucking scene. Arrest her too. Yep. They said she came she became emotional mm-hmm. and when she when she saw him. Yeah. Because she, they probably beat the shit out of him. Yep. So, the incident of Mister uh, Officer McDonald arresting Odell Brazier ignited the these these events that led to uh, Mister James Brazier's death. Officer Jones in the attack of Eugene Renfro also went went also unreported to the newspaper. The NAACP knew of others, a couple other people that was that had these instances going on. It was just like, in this area, it was like all these black people were just getting. Fuck with every yeah. day on an everyday basis. Haiti Brazier was threatened but not intimidated. She decided to file a civil lawsuit in federal court and seek damages against Dawson police officer Mr. Cherry McDonald Chapman and Chief uh, Police Howard Lee and Sheriff Matthews. She would finally get her three days in court in a federal courtroom um, in February of 1963, nearly five years after her husband was killed. And this fucking town became known as Terrible Terrible Terrell County Mm. and was violent and dangerous for black people to live in the South. So in July 1962, reporters from the New York York Times, the Atlanta Constitution, and the Atlanta Journal went to Mount Olive Baptist Church in Sasser, Terrell County, to write about workers from the Student Nonviolent Coordination Committee, which is the SNCC, seeking to persuade older blacks to register to vote. Mm-hmm. As, as the SNCC leaders, Charles Sherrill, Sher- Sherrod and Ralph Allen began speaking, um, congregants inside the church could hear muffled noises of people talking outside in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. The sound was men calling out license plates of the people, of the people that was inside of the church. Yep. Soon the church door swung open and walked in Sheriff Matthews in full... Races, mm-hmm. walk, Pants attitude, up to his talk, everything. Well, what do we have here? It was like he. It was like it was a uniform he put out of the closet and was like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. came and dressed like Duck Demidon." But racist. I couldn't wait to put this on. Yeah, one thing I say, like dudes like that, they got some like elite racist shit that they oh, pull out. Oh man, man, oh, well, we got a a monkey parade, and yep. you're like, "What the just fuck? Take over. <laughs> like, just shit take is over crazy." Thing, what did he yep. just say? So he walked in. With a group of white men, 13 and all. Mm-hmm. Probably a couple shotguns in the, in the crowd. You know? So he went in there and started talking. So essentially he went there to be like. Intimidate. Intimidate and to be like, you guys are all living a great life, right? No. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, another thing he asked was like, uh, all of you that are qualified to vote shouldn't vote, right? And he went, no. <laughs> just like trying to get these people to be like, all right, that's just, yes. that's not. Maybe we shouldn't vote. He was trying to rob them with no mask and no gun. Like you guys yeah. don't want to vote. You guys don't want to vote. Right. But he's like, saying like you. But like with a gun underneath of his right. jacket. Like you guys don't like the. You everything's great for you guys. Right. You guys live a, a great life, right? No. It's like everybody's like, no, we're not. Okay. So Matthews didn't get the response he envisioned. Right. Mm-hmm. So two months later, in September 1962, white supremacists burned down the church of Mount Olive Randomly. as well as another black church, Just in Mount Mary. Just random. Which the Brazier family had attended the day he went to jail. Wow. They went there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the mayor had nothing to do with scared that. Scared them fucking people. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, man, they're not. They don't, they're not answering to just answering. to talk. Yeah. So we got to show them. Burn both churches down. 
So the case of Haiti Brazier versus WB Cherry, uh, Randolph McDonald, Matthews, uh, the battle was underway and she was determined to exonerate her husband. Mm -hmm. Haiti hired or got help. It wasn't clear, but she got some pretty, you know, uh, eminent group of lawyers in Georgia. So Mm -hmm. these was some high profile black lawyers in, in Georgia. But they was going against the system. Somehow high profile everything. The racist, mayor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, attorneys. Mm-hmm. So the judge uh, in the case himself is known as a known quantity of Georgia politics. A U.S. District Court Judge J. Robert Elliott, who had been staunch, who had been a staunch segregationist. Yeah. First time I even heard that word, <laughs> heard that word, right? It's just another word for racist. You're right. Segregationist. So, right. <laughs> right. So one of his first decisions as a federal judge had been to deny Reverend Martin Luther King's Jr.'s request for a permit to hold a march in Albany. Mm-hmm. So Haiti and her team had a slim chance of winning this case, you know. That's clear. Yeah. The deck's the deck stacked From the against jump. you. Is, right. yeah, yeah. In front of a against a all male, all white jury. And on top of that, two of the three witnesses died under mysterious cir- circumstances. Get the fuck out of here. Yep. One of them died of asphyxiation, and the other one just, I don't know, they, it wasn't clear about that. Come on, man. They only had one witness that was left, and it was Mary Caroline Clyde, who was jailed when she was 19 for manslaughter for killing her husband, but she was there to see when they took Mr. James out of his prison cell that night. Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah. She told the truth about what happened to... What happened to James to Amos Holmes, which was the um, FBI? No, it was oh. he was like one of the leaders in the NAACP. Oh, okay. Uh, she shared that same information with the FBI. Like took him out blindfolded and beat him up. Yep. And she revealed some more stuff to Mr. Hallow, who was one of the attorneys for Mr. Haiti. Mm-hmm. And accounted, he believed that what she, whatever, her account um, that the jury may find compelling. So... He went, this may, this may work. Hopefully. This may work. And that, right? you know what's fucked up? If he says that, that means it should absolutely work. But it's right. a bunch of white dudes. But it's a bunch of white And white so dudes. it might work on, that's how strong it is. Right. That even them, they might go, damn, y'all just took them out of the cell. And, yeah. I mean, I'm, I hate, I hate, I hate them too, but yeah. that's kind of excessive. You might yep. get that. Yep. But they were skeptical about like, I don't know if we can trust her to go up here on a stand and tell the truth show show her face in front of all these people that could burn her house down and all this type of stuff yeah that's that's a lot to ask man but Holmes and Hollowell they also heard that the police had threatened and bribed Miss Clyde and they believed she was being abused in jail Mm. on the day Mary Caroline Clyde took the uh, witness stand in federal court she sat only feet away from the men that was accused of killing James Brazier Officer Cherry McDonald and Sheriff Matthews. She signaled quickly that her fears overshadowed her comfort with the truth. So when she got up there, she she, she backed up. These guys knew, you know, these guys been here long enough. These are pretty prominent guys in this in this in 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 law. So it, it was like, okay, hey man, you see her? Yeah. She fucking shaking yeah. and she was she's like, not gonna say this anything. ain't going. This yeah. is we're not gonna win this. Yeah. So again, her fears overshadowing her comfort with the truth under oath. And on the cusp of bringing a measure of justice to the law to to the long harassment and the death of James Brazier, Mary Caroline Clyde, fidgeting with her hands and stumbling in her responses, contradicted her previous statement. Mm, I didn't see anything. She did not see anything mm. unusual in the jail that night. Brazier was brought in. 
or removed from a cell. I don't even want to like, uh, like blame her. Cause that's a lot, yeah, you know, it takes a lot of courage. I'm not saying she doesn't have any, but it takes a lot of courage to stand in front of people who have killed people. And you're the only one. Other, you're the only, other people are dead. Yeah. And if she was telling the truth, which I think she was, she saw these men beat this man up. So it's like, yep. they could come get me in the middle of the night after this and do it to me. Yeah. So it's like, I don't even want to like, be like, damn, she, she changed her story. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's tough to get up there and do that. Yeah. But I mean, these attorneys do like, She's the only one we and they the only shot we got, best shot we got. They done fucking harassed her and robbed her. It's like, man, they didn't, no way, yeah, no done. way we getting away with this. Yeah, so she said that you know she did not see anything unusual the night that Brazel was brought in, removed from his cell, and returned all but dead. After three full days of testimony that ended on February eighth, nineteen sixty three, the judge gave the jurors instructions, sent them to deliberate, um, to deliberate, which <laughs> they probably was in there eating and shit. Yeah. Quickly brought. Them back to clarify uh, an instruction that sent the jurors to deliberate at 4.50 p.m. At 6, at 6, 10 p.m., so about an hour and hour, a half. Hour and a half. Hour, hour and 20 minutes. The jury informed the court had reached a decision in a few short words. Not, not guilty. guilty. Um, and Haiti Braze's hopes to avenge her husband's murder was crushed. In August of 2013, I guess later. the people that did research on this went and visit Miss um, Brazer. No, Miss. Oh. Um, oh, the lady that changed Murray, the story. Yeah, Miss Murray Car- Caroline Clyde, and was like they went with her, and she's old now. Yeah, obviously old, and she remembers the story, and she was like, she couldn't, she couldn't do that. She yeah. just self preservation. Yeah, yeah, she couldn't do it. She said, feet away from these people, and was like, hey, I li- I lied. I, what I, I did see something. Yeah, but I wasn't gonna say yeah. it that she day. Said, I couldn't. Why they were there? Why they was there? I couldn't. There's no way I could go up there and. And tell the truth. Yeah. Like, and you can't, it's like, you can't blame her. You can't. And during that time, man, it's like, I'm in here, but it's like, after this, all, all this is, all this is over, I gotta go I'm still in here. And be under the rule of their thumb and all this, you know, I got to still live in the world that they, that, it, that exists the way that it does. Yeah. Which is that in the county that is 60% black, they are living in fear of people because of the positions of power that they're in. Yep. I don't blame her. It sucks. It really does. For you to go back decades later and be like, so you you did see that, right? You go, oh, hell yeah. No, they beat the shit out of him. It was terrible, but I wasn't going to say that in front of them. Yeah, man. So they had like, and she mentioned that when she did this interview in 2013, she mentioned that they had a trustee, which was they, they called a trustee, which is a snitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in jail, this fucking guy was fucking spying on her and all kinds of shit, eavesdropping and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, man. So she was like, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Why he was sitting right there? No way. I could do that. So, this is called a, you know an unsolved murder case because nobody was charged for this. They got away with it. We know who did it. Yeah, yeah. We know what happened. Mm-hmm. But they got away with it. Um, a lot of people don't know about the story because I shouldn't have didn't. I never but his story. family obviously know about the story. And have lived with it for generations. Yeah. Yeah, man. And um, they showed a picture of his like his tombstone. It's like it's old, so it's like from the elements of the weather. It's like all faded and everything. But he is buried with his wife and you know his mother. I think mother and father, whatever. But, yeah. yeah, man. Um, James Brazier. James was James Brazier. I thought it was a crazy story, man. All because he was just trying to. All because he was black and successful. Mm-hmm. But what sparked it all was him just trying to save his dad. Like, hey, man, I'll help you don't get him. Don't beat. Don't beat him. Don't beat on him. Yeah. Right, so that was the story on the murder of Mr. James Brazel. 
Thanks for that, man. Yeah. All right. Cool. Wow. That's uh that's heavy. Hey, I just think people just need they should know, know but that's a he- that's a, they should know it, but that's heavy and a lot of imagery in that is like I can like feel it, you know. So yeah, man, getting pulled, being pulled over and being fucking scared. It's like, oh shit, what is? A lot of people now. I mean, like, I, I see that when you when on social media, a lot of black people are educating themselves on the law and be mm-hmm. like, I saw a video where a guy was with his friend and they pulled him over because they pulled him over because he was parked in front of a fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. Maybe because he was waiting to get food. Yeah, but they saw a gun in one of the guys' lap, and he was like, "That's not what you pulled us over for, right? You pulled us over because we was parked in front of the fire hydrant." Yeah. And he was telling his friends, like, hey, man, you don't have to roll down the windows. You don't have to do anything to tell you to do. You don't have to do. You don't have to get out of the car because that's not why they pulled this over. I mean, that sounds good. It sounds good, but it's scary. But this guy was like, no, man, I, I know, know the, the law, law. Mm-hmm. and we're not going to do with it. And they was like trying to get in. And then it's always like three cops and one of them is super cool. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, man, I like you. And he was trying to get their badge numbers. That's scary as shit because yeah. the, the guy he was with was like, hey, man, I don't, these are closed back here on the company. He was like, hey, man, you don't got to tell them all that. Yeah. But it's like. I just don't want this to go exactly to go south. Man. The friend that knows the law is right, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the, I would absolutely be the friend who's like, I'll tell you whatever you yeah. need. To, I'm a, I'm a good person. Whatever yeah. you need me to say, because I don't want to die. Yeah. I'm a good. I work. You know. You start saying all kind of shit. You know. I work nine to. You start yeah, saying man. all kind of goofy shit. Yeah. Because I, I mean, but they had they had uh, they had guns licenses and everything. Mm-hmm. But he was like, but he was like, I don't what, need to show right. you that because you pulled me over for being in front of this exactly. fire hydrant. So either yeah. write me a ticket for that yep. or go about your bit. Yep. Again, it sounds good. It, do. it, it do. sounds great. And yeah. I'm sure it's all kind of when you go and fight it later, you're going to win. I'm yeah. sure. I just don't. I want to make it the later. Yeah. So I'm like, true. I don't know my hand. I'm not touching the gun. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, you know, hey, what do you need from me? Yeah. I don't, you know, so. But no, you should absolutely educate yourself on the law. And you should stand your ground when you know that you're within the law. Yeah. But that's also, it's the same fear that that lady had on that stand. To yeah. me, if I get pulled over and I go, I didn't run a stop sign. I'm not going to sit here and fucking tell you you're wrong. I feel intimidated. So, I, you know, you, whatever, you got it. But still, you know, educate yourself in the law. Absolutely. But, but it is, it is, it is definitely a scary. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I mean, you see all this shit on social media, on the news all the time. It's yeah. like, oh, pulling me over. It's like, where can this I get jealous of how bored white dudes are in Montana. They're just like, I'm going to go take my AK-47 and go to Dunkin' Donuts. And I hope they call the police. And then I'm going to go, I have my this and my concealed carry. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just an exercise in liberty is all yeah. they're doing. Like they just, they want to have a confrontation so with the police. why are you carrying this on your back? Because I go can. Go to Dunkin' Donuts. Because I can. It's within the law. You need, you law need, a, you need an AK-47 to go get a latte from Dunkin' Donuts? I need, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they just want to have an exercise and showing off their rights and want to have a confrontation with the police. The last thing I ever want to have is a confrontation with the police. So the idea that I would yeah. go, you know people are going to call the police. You walk around with a big-ass gun on your back, nobody's thinking, oh, well, he probably has a, a carry. What? They're like, it's a fucking terrorist walking around yeah, with yeah. a big-ass gun on the back. makes you super uncomfortable. Yeah. i call the police. Yeah. Walking in here, it's like, what What do you plan on doing with that on your back? Like, yes. why are you... I'm going to leave. Exactly. This is making oh, me uncomfortable. No question. So... I don't care if you're just carrying around an exercise, whatever you're yeah. trying to exercise. I'm getting out of it. I'm getting away from you. But think about the juxtaposition of that comfortability. We're talking about a dude walking into a Dunkin' Donuts with a with a assault rifle and me, a dude who does nothing, yeah. will get pulled over by the police and give you my whole resume. Like, you know, I work and I, yeah. I you know, I do a podcast. I try to I try to help people find justice and you know, and and, and I never committed a crime in my life. I never even stole gum. I'm doing all this shit over yeah. a, over a speeding ticket. Yeah, but let me tell you. I might have told you this already before. I might have mentioned this on here. Mm-hmm. But the hat, U.S. Post Office hat. Oh, it's, it's got some clout? Powerful. Yeah, man. Damn, I, got off I a didn't know that. that. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
That blue stripe on the, on, on on my shorts and their pants, it, oh, it, it got like a little bit of meaning to it, man. Oh, you're you're part of the thin blue line. I wouldn't say all that, <laughs> but I'm saying that like they'll go like, all right, they, man, they, they show they got some appreciation. Yeah, I got for caught it. speeding a couple times on the way to work, mm-hmm. and they see the hat and go, all right, man, all right go brother, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, man. They throw your brother your way. I don't, no. <laughs> don't do all that. I go, but the first I went. Right. It is what it is. Cool. It's like, yeah. do I need to have an extra hat in here? And like, can, can you give me a hat? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a throw a shirt. Yeah, might throw a fry, throw a hat my way and some shorts. I might have to be out here fraudulent. I, I don't yeah, know man, if you yeah, saw. Yeah. I like stick my leg out the window. Yeah. That's crazy. You can pull it over, stick your leg. I don't know if you saw the stripe on my shorts. <laughs> yeah, man. So you're part of the, you're part yeah, of the brotherhood. Yeah, man. So I was shy. I was like, oh, oh, damn, nice. she, I didn't yeah, know. I didn't know. That, I didn't know the USPS hat carry weight like that. Yeah, man. I might need to get me like a uh, off white. <laughs> might need some kind of collaboration vans collaboration mailman hat you know i gotta steeze it up a little bit but uh anyway yeah it was good we did a little light stuff at the end there because it, it got heavy uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna get into some more fucked up shit so stick around all right and we are back friend my affirmative murder this week is the story of robert Spann. Okay. Shout out to one of our Spain ma- or Spam? Sp- Spam. 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 Okay. Two ends. Uh, shout out to one of our amazing listeners named Amy. She reached out to us Ooh. on the email and sent us this article and was like, you guys need to tell this story. And, uh, and I agreed once I listened, once I, once I read through it. Uh, I love when listeners do that. They should, you know, definitely, if you have some, send them my way. I'll yes. Definitely check them out. Absolutely. Especially because, you know, you might have a story that's local to you that is like a really big injustice yeah, that yeah. has not been made public exactly. because a lot yep. of these stories don't have a long trail. It's crazy how many stories you hear and you're like, that that's what happened? And you yeah. go to Google and like nothing comes up. Yep. And this is an example of one. Um, the, uh, the, the, she did a lot of, she did all the research too. I just kind of, oh, I, cool. I, I, you know, I kind of remixed it a bit once yeah, I read yeah. through it just to make it my own words. But um, the sources that she used were the Star Tribune, and articles from the archives of 1990s newspapers as well, locally. Okay. Uh, so shout out to Amy for doing all this work, and she's she's doing a lot of that's her thing. Like she she's a researcher, okay, and out. she's trying to bring light to a lot of cases in, that are in her area Let's that go. have not been solved and don't get any attention. Like she's really she's on a mission, and I appreciate that. And shout out to her. So <clears throat> here we go. So Robert Spann was an inspiring student at the William Mitchell College of Law in St. Paul, Minnesota. He won awards in regional mock trial competitions and was the president of the Black Law Students Association at William William Mitchell College. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. By all accounts, he was a well-liked and driven young man with a bright future ahead of him. Yep. In March of 1989, a card and several flyers bearing racial, sur- racial slurs were distributed along the William Mitchell College campus. On the campus? Mm-hmm. The first card was addressed to a white woman, Professor Mary Deans, who supported her black colleague named Andrew Haynes when he sued the school previously in federal court for uh, charging racial dis- racial discrimination in relation to a salary increase. Okay. So there were like basically bonuses given out or people were getting pay increases, but black people weren't or mm. specifically him, but yeah. maybe he was the only black professor and it, it felt that way. So he sued the school. And so Mary, yeah. Mary Deans, because she supported him in that effort, was looked at like a race traitor in some kind of way by whoever oh, these people she were. she was white. Yes, gotcha. by whoever was th- putting these fi- flyers and cards out, called her out specifically mm-hmm. for that moment. You know, they don't like that. Mm-mm, no. So the cards sent to Dean's called her a nigger lover. Mm. Man. Strong words. Yes. 
The logo of the National Association for the Advancement of White People was stamped on the card. Excuse me? I've never heard of this in my life. NAA, uh, the NAA WP. And let me just say something. Racism and homophobia is the most uncreative group of people you've ever seen in your life. Uh, Black Lives Matter is Blue Lives Matter. The NAACP is the NAAWP. And then you talk about homophobia as far as like there's so much lack of creativity. And we talk about all this like conservative news forums and uh, movies and all this shit. It's always so terrible because gay people are all the creative people. They do the best costumes. They're the best actors. And you don't when you when you ostracize those people from your art, your art's going to be shit. Yep. It's going to be dog shit. I agree. Except here's what I'll say. Mel Gibson knows how to make a fucking movie, man. Now, he said some of the most vile racist shit I've ever heard in my life, but that dude knows story structure, and he knows how to get some shit on film. He racist? He's pretty fucking racist, man. He says he said some of the most... He said some shit that's like... Crazy, crazy racist. Better than Papa John's? Probably. It's comparable. He told his wife he hopes she gets raped by a pack of niggers. Oh, yeah. And I I never even heard of shit. some shit like... That's crazy to even string some shit together like that. A pack of them. A, A pack of them. Man. That's crazy. But Apocalypto... It's good, man. He's a weapon? He didn't make it, but he was in it, but it's a uh, good movie. Yeah. You know, so in, he's the he's the outlier of racist being racist people being uncreative. But fuck him though. Oh, fuck him for sure. Yeah. But he's he's I mean, I can't a deny the niggers. Yeah, that's wild. Jesus. That's a wild that's some wild shit to say. So I don't know if Papa John was giving it up like that, but I know he said some real crazy shit. But a pack of No, ends no, is wild. a pack of ends <laughs> is wild. And then to wish that on your it's just all like, of it's all man. of it's wild. But man. so I don't know if Papa John was giving it like that. Papa John was giving it a more like just sweaty well, he's psychopath, so. regular racist yeah. kind of shit he, he says some crazy shit too but he's not creative except that, gar- that garlic sauce know. though is that's creative i don't know if he had a hand in making that recipe a pack of ends is pie at the top a pack of ends is, no that's why i'm still shocked when like they've given mel gibson a second chance they're letting him back into hollywood but they they blackballed him for a little bit but you know how crazy is some shit you gotta say you know how crazy is some shit you gotta say to blackball mel gibson that's how crazy the shit was that he said this guy was like the guy. Yeah, but they and let he him said play. some shit so crazy that they were like, "You got to take ten years off." And now that ten years is up, people kind of forgot about it. Has he apologized? Did he come up with some apology or anything? No, I don't you know. Don't give a I shit? mean, I would assume, but I don't know. I didn't look up. I didn't check for it because I'm like, no, you said what was in your heart. Like that's what you oh, said. Oh, he meant that. Yeah, you Absolutely. don't just you don't accidentally say that. No, you no. thought on you thought you on that. Yeah, you was holding. You was that. in your bag. You was. Man, you got to be in your bag to come up with that. That's like Kobe. Yeah, that's man. a black mama shit. You yeah. were going to court. It was five seconds left. You were like, no, nah, I didn't practice for this my whole life. Yeah, I didn't do this Wait. shot. I didn't do this oh, shot man. a thousand times in the gym. That one, yeah, yeah you no, know, that wasn't some spur of the moment shit. So no, that was in his heart. So you can come out and apologize for getting caught because that's all the apology is. I'm sorry you heard that. I said what I said, but I mean, I didn't mean for how y'all you, to hear. How it. do you work with him after that? I'm talking about as a as an African American person. Oh, I don't know, but people do it. My guess is Danny Glover's not doing Lethal Weapon Seven or however whatever they're up to now. That's my guess, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Sometimes they throw you a check, a nice check, and you change your mind. Yeah, I mean, if my you, guess is he's not. I think I, I got some respect for Danny. You gotta Glover. eat. I, I think I don't think Danny Glover needs to eat. I think Danny. I think Danny Glover's good. I'm talking about like somebody like that. a young up and coming. Uh, no, yes. black people have definitely worked with Mel Gibson since he said that shit. But I'm, I, I don't want to get into how you can do it. But I, it, yeah, listen, Hollywood's a, a beast, and sometimes this might be your only shot to do a movie, and this could and be your breakout role. Yeah, it's very fucked up. Put somebody in a compromising position like that to have to put their morals behind eating. Yeah, it's tough. But it happens. Now you and like Uncle Tom and all kinds of shit. Oh, it's rough. It's a rough spot to be in. But I got to eat. These, you know, I got to feed myself. It's true. Whatever, it's true. Know. This is the job I chose. And they go, you got a great opportunity. It's a great it's a speaking role. Pass it up. It's many. You got a big part in the movie. And it's Mel Gibson's the star. It's like, ah, shit, man. Damn. You said 100000 for the... Damn. Okay. 
And then you got to go out there and people you and then you as the black person, you got to get all the questions like, hey, um, this movie looks great. But like, how do you feel having to work along Mel Gibson? I don't know if you heard some of the terrible thing. And you got to kind of you got to try to defend him on the press tour. Don't yeah, put that on. Don't go, put that on me. Out the, go out there and get like some type of fucking some political. You know, we all kind of we all grow and learn. But it's the check cleared. I mean. You'll go do it. Price what you want. I got to get I got to get this money. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So like I said, I said the thing about the National Association for the Advancement of White People, which is, which cr- is that's cr- crazy. Like I don't need what is what is your what is your purpose that you do there? That's the first time I heard that. Yeah, I never heard of that. <laughs> in my life. I don't think it's a many members of that. Like I don't know how many. Like what are you trying to advance? Like eight members. Yeah. <laughs> so Haynes received a similar flyer in his work mailbox, and a black student found one in a classroom handout packet. So it was definitely somebody who knows the inner workings of the school, maybe yeah. a student. It was, you know, for them to have it, it's, it's in packets and shit, you know. James Brooks, dean of students, conducted his own investigation and casted doubt on the idea of it being someone from the campus. But also sought no help from law enforcement or civil rights agencies, agencies because we don't want a full-blown witch hunt, is what he said. Mm-hmm. Robert Spann spoke out and stated that this should not be tolerated at all. Yep. Don't just feel sorry for black students, black faculty, and black staff members. Feel sorry for the community at large because mm-hmm. it makes us. It makes the whole community look bad that this ha- that this dark thing is happening right under their nose. Exactly. So it makes everybody look bad. Yeah. Feel bad for all of us. So Robert was Robert was a neighborhood activist against crime and anti drug crusader. This guy, I mean, this guy was, he, you know, he was, he was looking to be a lawyer. He went to law school. Mm-hmm. He, he's, a, he's a right fighter. Uh, a, friend from, a friend of his from this time said that he was always fun and loving, even though he was battling through unspecified personal and family struggles. Okay. So he, you or know, just he, being black in America. Or just being black. You know, you got to put a smile on your face. There's some rough shit going on. Yeah. But, you know, you know, and you're coming off the 80s, you know, crack epidemic. Who, he's got a guy succeeding, but it might not look the same in his neighborhood that he came from. I don't know his whole background, but I'm just saying, right. I could see how somebody could be like, I'm doing well, I'm in school and everything like that, but but this, you know, this my favorite cousin isn't getting to do the stuff I get to do. Yeah. Sometimes it feels, and that, that can weigh on you. That's heavy, yeah, yeah. that's a heavy feeling. Like that before, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a heavy yeah. feeling, man. So Robert was one of our, one of our only nine people in his graduating class of more than 200 students to win the Alumni Association Student Award of Merit. So this guy's been, he's had a good head on the shoulders for a long time. He never became a, he never became licensed to practice law in Minnesota. He had just failed his bar exam for the third time, and I hear I hear it's like one of the hardest tests to, to pass. Yeah. yeah, So you know, I don't know if there's a limit for it, but I think I think maybe five is the limit. I'm not sure. To take it like forever, like yeah, I think, I think you can only fail it. I think you can only fail it a certain amount of times. I could be wrong about that. I want to know, know what the the time between when you, if you fail, when can you take I it? I think again? that's kind of the thing too. I think I don't think you can just go right back. I, you know, I mean, I'm not an expert, but if there's any lawyers out there that pass the bar. Please feel free to reach out, comment on the Facebook group, t- t- uh, tag us in a tweet or something like. If there's a limit, because I could be wrong, I'm open to being wrong about that. If there's a limit, and if there's not a limit, if there's like a a time span in between you and you can take the test, if either of those are a thing, or if you can just take it as many times as you want and go right back to back. I don't think you can though. I don't think you can just be like, I failed it Thursday, I'll be back Saturday to take That's it again. My hell of a test, man. Oh, it's long. Yeah, because think about how many laws you have to know man, and all that. Uh, Weird jargon and shit all in there. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're like, habeas corpus by the writ of 1967 and Davis versus Ferguson. You're like, I don't fuck. Jesus Christ. Do you get points for putting your name on it? Because that's all I would <laughs> <laughs> That is it. Yeah, give me, I need like, a, I need like at least 50 points for that. Let me get an ego boost out of the gate. Let me get at least five points. 
Boom. Okay, cool. Yeah, now then you can, yeah, get a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, already got five right there. <laughs> right. Date, maybe give you two. Name and date, I'm, I'm seven points up already. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> so at the time of him failing the bar exam for the third time, he was he was dating a young lady named, well, she wasn't that young. She was older than him. But she was da- he was dating a woman named Patricia Crumley, who was in her late 30s and a Minneapolis attorney herself. Okay. Uh, she had a 14-year-old son from a previous marriage, and they had met at William Mitchell School. So she was ahead of him by a few years, and they met in law school. Okay. In September 1990, Robert rented an apartment a few blocks away from the home he shared with Patricia, which had some furniture and a desk and boxes with papers. No clothing or houseware items, like, you know, plates and stuff like that. It was just like a den. Mm. Patricia said he had rented this place because he wanted to have a private place to study as he was preparing to take the bar exam for the fourth time. Yeah, so he's coming up on, like, whatever the limit is. He's... Yeah, he's, I got to lock in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't get this done studying at Starbucks. I need to have, yeah. like, a fucking fortress. So at around 4 p.m. on November 6, 1990, Patricia's son discovered Robert's body in the basement of a well-kept three-story home and called 911. What? He was shot in the head more than no. two times and stabbed repeatedly. Shit. A two-foot, 150-pound beige or brown safe was taken from the recreation room he was murdered in. In the school? In the house. In the house. In the house that he shared with Patricia Crumley. Her son found him in the basement, and there was a safe taken from that basement. No signs of forced entry and no weapon was found. However, there was a sign of a slight struggle in the room where his body was found. Mm. Robert was dressed in pajamas and a bathrobe. He had been dead about four hours before the police were called. His girlfriend, Patricia, showed up to the home after the investigators arrived. She was working all day and was unable to add anything to the investigation except the fact that the safe that was taken contained her and Robert's diplomas and some other personal papers. Mm. Patricia sent her son to live with his grandparents out of the state the day after Robert was killed. Yeah. I guess out of fear that this, whoever yeah. this was could come back right. or something like that. His death was a mystery to all who knew him. In 1991, the safe that was stolen from the home was discovered in a Minneapolis police warehouse. What? Despite being a well-publicized story at the time in the area, for some reason, the safe remained unnoticed by Minneapolis police for over a year. So they saw the safe day and was like, oh. Yeah, who knows what this safe is. And then one day, a year later after this murder happened, somebody went, I think that's that safe that that, that got stolen from that house a year ago. And then they they opened opened the case How does it turn up there and then nobody just like... Questions to save. Yeah. But you know, so now I wonder about this sometimes. And I feel like I think that stuff has to be documented though, right? When it's brought definitely, in. Definitely, yeah. And I feel like we talked about this with Paul Holes before, where it was like the stuff that is in a police lockup, you'd be shocked at. Like you I mean, all kind of stuff. So it might just, you know, a clown suit, uh nunchucks, a car. Yeah. You just it just is like might just go unnoticed that that's in there. Even if you do log it. There could be ten safes. You know what I mean? So Patricia rarely spoke publicly, but in the wake of the ev- in the wake of that event, which was the, them discovering the safe in the police lockup, she called reporters to the state. She wanted to give a public statement. Mm-hmm. She said there was no money and no drugs in the safe, just my personal papers, which is a weird thing to want to bring the uh, media out to announce. Probably why they put it. They sent it to the damn police station. If they can get it open, I'm guessing was was it open? I'm it guessing open? the police can get a safe open. They can call it. But I person. mean, like whoever stole it, though. Whoever stole it, whoever stole it, is either it was open or they got a chance to get it open. That I don't know. Mm-hmm. They could have opened it, got what they wanted out of it, abandoned it, and then it was found by police. Yeah. Which seems like that's what happened because there was no suspect along with the safe. Right. So they probably found it abandoned somewhere. Mm. 
Mm. Clearly, that happened after it was taken. That could mm. be what she wanted to say to the media. Maybe that's what it was, but I don't have all the details as to why she felt it necessary to call the media and say, hey, there weren't drugs and money in that safe when I had it. Just want to say that to you guys. Yeah. She felt it necessary to do that. Patricia first told the police that Robert had gotten the safe for the two of them to keep personal items. Juanita Spann, Robert's mother, said Patricia told her shortly after the murder of Robert that she had been keeping the safe at her home as a favor to her godson's mother. Okay. Patricia's son told investigators, however, that the safe belonged to his mother's godson specifically, not the godson's mother, and that he was off that he often stored large amounts of cash in it. Mm-hmm. So now this godson comes into play. There's conf- there's conflicting stories about why the safe was in the house, who was using the safe. Yeah. But it all kind of revolves around this godson. Yeah. Whenever in whenever any inconsistency arose, Patricia would say, I was confused or I didn't understand the question. So basically when they go, well, you said this, but your son said that. They go, she goes, well, I clearly heard the question wrong. Or I was confused. Mm-hmm. I didn't lie. It was a mistake. When Detective Bob Fletcher interviewed the son at his grandparents' home where he was now staying, the boy said that his mom and Robert would argue over dope money being kept in the house. Oh, shit. Keep in mind, uh, Patricia's a lawyer. Yeah. And Robert has not passed the bar, but he went to law school and he has intentions of becoming a lawyer. He's also an anti-drug advocate in in communities that he came from. Like, this guy's a right fighter. Yeah. He doesn't want to live in a house where drugs are being sold. When Patricia was asked about this later... She said no such arguments happened and that her son must have been confused as well. Somebody lying. I don't I find it weird that she felt the need to call the media, the media to her house or whatever and say there was not drugs yeah, and trying to get in front of it before fucking, yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yes, sir. So like I said, she said that, you know, her son didn't hear those arguments. He must have been confused as well. She then refused subsequent interviews with her son, even though he was the only one or he was or even though he was the one to find Robert's body and could have given important information to potentially help the case. Her reasoning was that he's too traumatized to be interviewed. Now, how is he again? He was 14. So they are, are they allowed to interview him without, without her? No. And she's a lawyer and I know she knows that. Yeah. So while what the excuse that she's giving is valid talking to police, mm-hmm. she feels like he's traumatized. He saw his step. They were dating. They weren't married, but like, his mother's boyfriend, they probably had some kind of relationship. Yeah. She found his dead body, or he found his dead body. She's going as a parent. This is, I don't want to put my son through this. But it's weird that the, when he does talk to the police, he has a thing that is conflicts with what your statement was to the police. And now all of a sudden you want to be tight-lipped with him and not let him talk to the police anymore. Yeah, It's just a little weird. When you let him talk the first time, he said something that conflicted with things that you've said. And now it's like, well, no, he's traumatized now. And so we're not, you're not talking to him anymore. Yeah. It's done. And she has every right to do that because he is a minor. But it's just it's, the timing's weird. Yeah. But you have parents out there. As again, we bring this up a lot. But in the Central Park Five, one of the kids, even though he was being interviewed with his father, his father was scared of the police. And he told, the kid to, he told his son to confess to a crime that he did not commit. Wow. So you should absolutely defend your children and don't let them speak to police without you being there. And if you feel uncomfortable about something that's happening, you can end it whenever you want to. You can stop your child from talking to the police if they're a minor. You have that right to do that. Yeah. But the timing of this in this situation is a little odd. So she agreed to do interviews herself, but didn't make it easy for investigators to actually talk to her. Investigators would have a hard time getting a hold of her as she would forget about the appointments. Police didn't find her to be a suspect particularly, but they thought she knew more than she was leading on and suspected that possibly she feared for her safety if she spoke to investigators. 
Law enforcement has always said that the key to solving who killed Robert Spann is held by Patricia Crumley. They believe Robert unknowingly may have been involved in a drug conspiracy and may have been the victim okay. of that. The, I'm going with that. Yeah, it's like this godson keeps coming here. He's always going in the basement for some reason. You don't want to tell me why he's always, why, does he, why is he using our safe? What's he getting out entry. of? Yeah. 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 So, you know, if he, if he was like the picture that's being painted, had some kind of arrangement with his godmother where it's like, I keep a little thing here. But then you got this right fighter living here now. He's dating Patricia and he's like, hey man, listen, I don't really want that happening here. But it's like, well, I keep my drugs here. Get them. This is part of my operation. Yeah, yeah. So if you're coming and trying to step on that, we're going to have a problem. Yep. And it seems like possibly in a theory that could have come to a head and caused a conflict. So, but this is all speculation, of course. So the reward money, which was which Robert's family donated five thousand dollars of, of their own income, was raised to fifteen thousand dollars. So it was a fifteen thousand dollar reward at the time for information about what happened to Robert. Even some of Robert's friends were reluctant to speak to the police, according to Juanita Span, who's his mother. She said, "You get the gut feeling that they know more. We want them to we want them to know that they can call Crime Stoppers and not even give their name." So she's out in the front lines, you know, talking to the media yeah, and you can talk saying, anonymously. Yeah, yeah, make a, making a plea to the people who might know something. You don't have to put a face to your comments, but your comments are needed. St. Paul investigators began pressing Patricia Crumley hard publicly after it was discovered that she illegally photocopied a case file regarding the arrest of a drug dealer named Frank Crisp less than a week before Robert's murder. A computer printout of the file was found under a television set in Robert's rented apartment. Mm. So Robert had this file too, and it was found in his little, you know, his shack that he had. Yeah. Not a shack, but his, you know, his little side apartment. So the drug dealer, Crisp, was a close associate of Patricia's godson, who was never named. Patricia ended up admitting that she copied the file because her godson asked her to. She says she has no idea why or how copies were found in Robert's apartment. And what it sounds like to me is, and I got more, I got more details on that situation for sure, but I'm just trying to help people paint what I'm seeing this as. It seems to me like Robert started to paint a picture of what was happening in that house. And he wanted to know who Frank Crisp was too. Yeah. So maybe he found the case file and he did a, he printed out, he copied the copy that she copied and was like, I need, I might need to know this guy. Cause like I've been threatened by her godson. He said, if I keep asking questions, it's going to be a problem. So who, who are all these, who's involved with her godson? That's what it feels like to me. And he's doing all this at his side apartment to try to be low about it. Yeah. Under the guise of I'm studying for the bar yeah, yeah. whatever. But this is a guy who wants to get criminals off the street he doesn't like drugs being sold in these in these neighborhoods that they he wants to turn them around. And now he's living in a house and sleeping with a woman who's allowing drugs, possibly allegedly, to be moved through her house. He sees a mission here. He might have a mission of like, I'm going to put her, this godson in jail. He's a bad guy. Man, it's messy. It's messy. And you're still sleeping with her. And, you know, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a messy situation for sure. So Patricia's godson and, and uh, Crisp were members of Four Deep, a rap group that opened up for the Two Live crew in Minnesota, I mean in Minneapolis, one week before Robert's death. Hmm. And based on the research I did, there was no Frank Crisp in Four Deep, and the godson was unnamed. Okay. So either both of them were entourage members, which is entirely possible because, you know, it's a rap group. There's all kind of yeah. posse and stuff, yeah, people yeah. that just have jobs, the weed man, yeah. security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's entirely possible that they both were security or 
Frank Crisp was an entourage guy, and the godson is an unidentified member of Four Deep. And there's it's, it's called Four Deep, but there's only three members, hmm. and none of them are named Frank or well, that's only that's the only name I have. None of them are named Frank, so none of them are Frank Crisp hmm. from what the research I did. Yeah. So maybe the godson was in my, in Four Deep, and Frank Crisp was his his man, and his light right hand man. But Frank Crisp, to my knowledge, from doing the research I did, was not in Four Deep. Can you find images of of the group? I found in, images of the group, but it doesn't ma- It doesn't do anything for me because none of them are named Frank Crisp. Was so it four of them or three? It's three of them. Oh, it's three okay. of them. But and all their names are like Big Jim, and you know, like there's some of them. Their name is in their name. Okay. So I'm like, well, that guy's name isn't Frank because he's yeah. going by Big Jim. So the godson, who used to be a very freak, a very frequent visitor to Patricia's home, suddenly was hard to track down and refused to speak with police, which is a bit of a red flag. Yeah. Chris's apartment was raided in October 30th of 1990, less than a week before Robert's murder. Is it crisp? Crisp. Okay. Like, like how British people say chips. Okay. <laughs> so uh, he was found with a large amount of crack cocaine and cash. He eventually was sentenced to 10 years in Sandstone Federal Prison. Crisp told police that the godson was also a drug dealer and that he used the safe to store his money and drugs in. Mm, there you go. He offered nothing else to the investigation, even though his attorney made it clear that he could receive a reduced sentence if he does so. Now, to me, I feel like that's that a enough. pretty big piece of information <laughs> that he gave. I mean, I was like, yeah, you should have kept that and not given it up until you got something because, yeah. like, that's a pretty big piece of he information. He did it. I'm not saying nothing yeah, that's else. that's all I got to say. Like, Listen, he, th- yeah. Thank you? Yeah, right. he got, yeah, if you go in his house, you'll find some bloody jeans from the murder. That's the, yeah. that's the victim's blood, but that's all you're getting it. out of that's me. That's all you're getting out of me. That's it. It's like, okay, well, all right, I guess. I saw him shoot him, but I'm not telling you nothing else. That's all I got. So a week before Robert's death, he told a friend that he feared for his safety and added, I need to get out of there. So now his little apartment is starting to sound less like a study sanctuary and more like a safe house. You get what I'm saying? Mm, Yeah. But you don't want to tip off the lawyer girlfriend. So you say, well, you know, I got the bar coming up, so I'm just going to get another. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Slowly but surely, I'm going to get my clothes and I'm going to get away from here. Cause I'm about to bring the I'm about to bring I'm gonna, I'm gonna call anonymously and tell that it's drugs in your house. Yeah. So I'm gonna get my apartment and get myself situated. But it's for the bar. But this guy is saying, telling people he's fearing for his life. He and then this uh, uh, this Chris gentleman, his 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 uh file is found at the apartment. So clearly, Robert was doing his own research. It was like his office. Exactly. Really? Yeah. 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 And he had a mission. Yeah. And he was working on something. So detectives doubt that the robbery. That robbery was the motive in the murder. Yeah. The extreme brutality of the slaying also points away from robbery and towards a drug dealing killing. His mother, Juanita, stated once that he rented the he rented that apartment because he and Patricia were arguing so much. So now you again you start to be able to paint this picture of a guy who's probably arguing about you're selling you're you're doing illegal stuff mm-hmm. and you're a lawyer and you're going to get disbarred. And I'm trying to pass the bar. How could you put your career at risk like, you know, all right. that type of shit, you know? Patricia never offered a satisfactory explanation of why she copied the 10-page crisp file and then brought it home. The file contained the names of undercover agents as well as informants and, and co-conspirators. So there's real information in here that you're putting, you're putting police officers at risk because you're going, this file tells you who's the guy, Little Mo, but he actually is an undercover cop. Or who are people that are uh, cooperating with the police under, you know, in a RICO charge or whatever. This case, this this file has really inf- information that is damaging and could cost people their lives. And it sounds like this is the type of shit that a dirty lawyer would do 
to help a client snuff out a witness or, you know, tighten up their corporation. It's not even a client, though. It's her godson. Yeah. So I don't know if she can be his his client, but godson is not blood. I don't know the the law. It's close. It's true. It's a conflict of interest. But we're talking about drugs and stuff, so maybe maybe a conflict of interest is more of a immoral thing and not illegal. She's definitely getting paid. Oh, she's for sure getting paid, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let people keep drugs in my house, and I wouldn't do it for free. Either. Yeah, I don't do it. But if I did do it, I, it would not be for free. Yeah. So neither Robert the Crumleys nor the godson's name were mentioned in the file. But it was important for somebody to see the names that were in that file. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's like none of the people that we're talking about were in that file, but there were names in that file. And for you to print it out because your godson asked you to, your godson wanted to know those names. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't Robert or what, he wanted to know somebody's name. If you're printing it out for that reason, you're a co-conspirator in a criminal enterprise. Yeah, like, I mean, that, like if you're trying to help a drug dealer get information that would benefit him in his criminal enterprise, you're a co-conspirator, period. So Minneapolis Deputy City Attorney Mitchell Rothman has confirmed that his office had investigated Patricia's use of the file, but he said the resolution was that the inquiry had to be postponed pending the closing of the homicide case. So we can't do anything until we find out what happened to Robert Spann. So I I can't do an inquiry, a further inquiry into Patricia until we find out what happened to Robert Spann. It was, his, was what he said. Now get this. At first, Rothman said that the decision was based on the desire not to interfere with jeopardizing the investigation into Robert Spann's death. Right. After St. Paul police told Rothman that any steps he took regarding Patricia would have no effect on their case, he then said it would be difficult to judge her actions without a solution to the murder. So then he flipped it a little bit. Yeah. They're like, well, no, you can do that. That's, that doesn't affect us. He's go, well, yeah, but I... I, I, I I can't accurately judge her until I know how Robert Spann died. So we're just, it's postponed. And because this is a cold case, investigation into Patricia Crumley is postponed indefinitely. Mm. Yeah. Because they're saying we can't do anything until we find out what happened to Robert Spann. But we've never found out what happened to Robert Spann. So we're never going to investigate Patricia Crumley. Right. In 1993, Juanita Spann filed a wrongful death suit against Patricia Crumley alleging that she carelessly and negligently allowed drug traffickers to use her premises and allowed drug traffickers to store illegal monies in her residence, which led to Robert's tragic murder. She filed this motion without an attorney because the three-year statute of limitations for such claims was approaching. So she didn't feel like she could find a lawyer in time to file it, Mm. so she just had to file it on her own. Yeah. I don't really know if that led to anything, though. I don't know. It didn't say if it was success. You know, because it was a... It was, um, what is it? It was a, it, That was a civil suit. So if anything, if she would have won, it would have been for like money. Oh, she okay. wouldn't have went to prison. Yeah. So I don't know whether she won or not in, in her civil case. In 2009, Robert was included in the Minnesota BCA, which is the Bureau of, the Bureau of Criminal Apprehensions, cold case playing cards, which is, I don't really understand what this is, but this is the explanation of it. So this these playing cards showcase 52 violent unsolved homicides missing persons and unidentified remains. So I think it was some kind of way to like drum up public interest in these unsolved murders by making it like kind of like a game. It wasn't like, a, like you can't like play poker with these cards. They were just like little profiles online. Okay. And each of them had like a seven of hearts. That was, let's say that was his, but I don't think it was, but each one, it was like all these different cold cases and they each had like a, uh, 
you know, a suit and a number and stuff. And it just was like, I don't know, a way to like drum up interest in a way that's interesting. That's I don't really understand. But these co- these cases were dead in the water. So this 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 bureau tried to cards? Not literally, but you know, but I let me I, I can show you. Yeah. Let's take a second. So that's it right there. That's the card. And it was seven of hearts. I was right. But it'll be it's like it's almost like a it's just like a, a you can get closer. It just has like a number you can call if you have any information, his age, his name, his date of birth, all that kind of stuff. Just but it made it like he's the seven of hearts. Okay. You get what I'm saying? It's like a just a weird gimmicky way to try to drum up interest in gotcha. solving okay. cold cases. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not I don't I'm not saying it was like the best marketing scheme. But you can or, use them as playing cards. I guess if you printed these out. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm, there's no physical. There's no physical. Okay. There's no, there's no, okay, you I'm can't like that. buy the deck okay. of cards. I was that's crazy. No, you can't like buy the and deck of insensitive. cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very insensitive. Th- yeah, this is this is this will be the most insensitive true crime merch that ever existed. Like real, almost like missing flyers. Don't they you, have that though? Don't they have like they have playing cards that have like yeah. um serial killers on them? Right. Which are those are insensitive and and gross too. But this is different. Like, this is a real Vickers. guy whose murder wasn't solved. Go fish. Yeah. You know, like I declare war. Yeah, that's crazy. That's wild. Okay, so it's not. So it wasn't that. It's not an actual physical deck of, card. No, no. It gotcha. just is like a sign. It's like a way to make it more interesting for people to pay attention. I think gotcha. is the. I think is the intention. Kind of like a call to action. Type of thing. Exactly. Gotcha. But they thought this would be a spin to put on it yeah. to make people more interested. Oh, it's fifty-two okay. of them, and each of them is a a different card, mm-hmm. an ace of spades, and this. You know, people are weird. That's it's weird. as a collector's item. I, I just think. But again, know, there's no. There's no cards. Right. <laughs> There's no cards to collect. It just is an so online how do you see thing. It? It's online. online. It's like online. It's on their website. Two thousand nine. Oh, okay. Two thousand nine. All right. Yeah. It's still weird though. It's very weird. <laughs> I'm not arguing <laughs> just that. Make a fucking. Yeah, so just make the missing poster. So, yeah. Just make the uh, unsolved poster. So that, but that thing I showed you just now, that is the only digital footprint of Robert Spann. Like when you Google his name, nothing really comes. That's up. That's it. Except that. That's the only thing that comes up. So uh, Google search results are minimal, and this case is about as cold as that is, as a case can be, which is odd because there are suspects, there's motive, yeah, and assuming that they weren't crossed off a suspects list, when I'm, ta- I'm talking about um, Patricia Crumley and her godson, who I don't, I don't even know his name, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, maybe he was written off as a suspect and that's why his name isn't available to the public. But assuming these people weren't crossed off of a list as suspects, then there's viable information to be had here. This case has all the pieces to be solved and they're just not being pursued yeah. from what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like Robert Spann's death is a, allegedly, in my opinion, a criminal conspiracy. And those people are unlikely to say what happened, especially since th- this murder took place over 30 years ago at this point. Man. So it's like, there are people who probably know what happened and they got away with it. And so they're unlikely to talk at this point. Yeah. Like anybody that knows anything probably yeah, isn't going to say anything. Nah. So Amy, shout out to Amy once again. But it's like oh, okay. we know what happened. Yeah, you can clearly see. You can clearly see what happened. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's laid out pretty nobody's plain. Gonna it's it. laid out pretty plain. Yeah. There were drugs being sold in the house. A guy who's there, who is a right fighter and a lawyer, is getting into arguments with his girlfriend all of a sudden because she, he finds out that this godson's being allowed to move drugs through the house. He has a problem with it. He moves out under the guise of whatever. The guy probably comes back again someday. They get into some kind of argument. He kills him. Yeah. Why is there no sign of force entry? This guy has a key. It's, yeah. his God, it's yep. his godmother's house, yeah. you know? So now, maybe this theory was investigated and it turned out to be a lie, but I don't think that's the case. No. 
because the it wasn't one of the investigating uh, you know uh, detectives said, "Well, I can't I can't pursue Patricia Crumley until the murder of Robert Spann is solved, and the murder of Robert Spann has never been solved. So, how properly was Patricia Crumley even investigated and looked into? I don't see why they can't do that though. It's it's a, I allegedly. My guess would be it's a one of their own type of situation. We don't want to investigate another lawyer. Um, you know, that kind of I'm, my guess. I don't know, though. I don't know. So, again, shout out to Amy. Amy added that it was odd for a law enforcement agency to lean so heavily on someone publicly without them being a suspect. When we're talking about Patricia Crumley here. St. Paul authorities believe that the key to solving Robert's tragic death is held by Patricia Crumley. Yeah, they absolutely. pushed exactly. Yes, they pushed so hard because Robert Robert's parents, Juanita and Martin, desperately wanted answers. This case is completely solvable, and it's time Robert makes a real digital footprint. He wanted to make a difference and help others get justice that they deserved. Let's fight for Robert to have justice. Those are Amy's words that she finished off the email with. Man. So I want to say, Robert, rest in peace to Robert Spann. He was 27 years old when he was killed. He had a life full of potential that was very sure. tragically cut short. Um, but yeah, that was his story. Being killed a dude just trying to do the right thing is fucking yeah, sad. It's, it's fucking man. it's fucking sucks, man. Um, but yeah, rest in peace to Robert Spann. Uh, let's go ahead and try to turn things around a little bit and get into these good vibes. All right, it's time for some good vibes. I feel like they're much needed. Those both those stories were a little heavy in weight and uh, just emotions and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I feel like you know it's a good time to talk about some 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 light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. Uh, Fran, my good vibe story is about uh, New Yorkers with pot convictions will now be the first to get the opportunity to sell it. Something I've spoken about a lot on this a lot on this podcast, and so. When I, when, I read, when I read the uh, headline of the story, I was like, oh, no, I'm intrigued by this. So uh, the American, American criminal records are filled with nonviolent cannabis possession charges. But in New York, that could soon go from being an, un, an employment hindrance, hindrance to a lucrative employment opportunity. New Yorkers with past cannabis conviction charges will be the first to have the opportunity to obtain a conditional adult use retail dispensary license. Which is that big piece of, I don't know how big it is, but it's that piece of paper that says you can sell drugs legally. Mm. <laughs> uh, New Yorkers with past cannabis conviction charges will be the first to have the opportunity to obtain this, uh, this card. Uh, and once the centers of, once the center of stop and frisk, oh, sorry, once the center, oh, yeah, we're talking about New York, sorry. Once the center of stop and frisk, the 2021 legalization of cannabis for adult use in the state of New York was underpinned. By a commitment to benefit those most harmed, most harmed by war on drug policies. Hmm. War on drug was a failed attempt at whatever the fuck they were trying to do, and all this does is harmed an entire generation of people, yep. left people without parents, and it did nothing but harm. It was a it was a mistake. It was a, it was it was a failed thing, and nobody will take onus of it. And they keep putting laws in place that punish those people even further. Anyway, moving on. The marijuana the marijuana regulation and taxation act looked at other states' similar bills and found that due to excessive regulations, the largest cannabis industry leaders cobbled up most of the opportunities. And I've talked about this a lot. It's like, yes, oh, now, now weed is legal in D.C. Guess what? The people that made all the money in Colorado come to D.C. and open up their businesses. It's not a lot of new millionaires being generated from cannabis like it used to be. There was like a gold rush. The people made the money. They know how to work the system. They know how to get the, uh, the the licenses in other states, and they have the money to do so. So when a new state is legal, the now corporate entities 
that have made their money from cannabis probably already had money and had the money to jump on it when it happened. These are I'd be I'd be shocked at how many stories of these cannabis millionaires are like I was poor. I bet a lot of them are like capitalist people who you know pull, pulled money together and yeah. started you know and made more mo- made money into more money and then they go to each state that legalizes it and make more money from those opportunities. Anyway, I'm on the soapbox again. Um, so, but because of the war on drug because of the war on drugs was a, was so long terrorizing black and brown minority individuals, it only seemed right to let them be the first ones to receive an economic boom from the newly legalized substance. Uh, one of the people that's involved in this movement was quoted as saying, we think that leaning into folks who have past convictions, but have that business experience that mean that means that we're going to find a bunch of applicants who have gone through some significant challenges to still open up and operate successful businesses. This is what the officer of cannabis management executive director named Chris, Chris Alexander said in an interview, according to Politico, they said, we just, we just took a different approach when it comes to the state of New York. Dispensary licenses are available now through September 26th. So if you're in the New York area and you're listening to this and this is something that you have a desire to do, hop on it. Um, This is available to those who had who had prior convictions related to marijuana or who have had who or who have a family member with the same conviction. Applicants must have some kind of business experience and some kind of asset. For example, a car registered in New York State or a rental car contract trying. uh, I'm sorry, tying them to the state. Which again, somebody with money could easily find do this rental rent a car and then that's all you need. But I'm this is this is specifically for people who have past convictions. I'm just saying for people that have the money to come in into New York and when, once it's open to everybody, they can get in and get their paws on it and open up. Yeah, weed cookies ink or whatever whatever you know their their business is. So they, 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 New York is added to the list. New or? York State. New York so that, that includes New York City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, successful applicants will receive aid from a two hundred million dollars social equity cannabis investment fund, which was, rec- was which was created to help finance the leasing and equipping of up to one hundred and fifty dispensaries across the state. This is uh, according to a report from Politico, and so that's my news. And I just think that that's really awesome, and I talk about that a lot. And now you're giving people opportunity who were unjustly criminalized and put away and lost time out of their life for cannabis. Now get an opportunity to partake in the wealth of money that's being generated from cannabis legally now. Yeah. Oh, it's my go. Oh, yes. Great story. So a woman says she owes her life to a rescue dog who sensed her breast cancer and wouldn't keep its nose out of her right armpit. Oh, wow. So Lacey Giles or Giles thought her beloved Brody was initially just craving some attention. The 45-year-old welcomed the gentle giant into her life a year ago after her partner has spent six months in the hospital on life support with the COVID virus. When he returned home as part of his recovery, the pair decided to add to the family of pets. Mm. They adopted Brody, whose Newfoundland breed is well known for life savings, well known for life saving due to their swimming ability, abilities and intelligence from a family who could no longer look after him. Lucy of Oxen said he started to sniff and nuzzle at her and nuzzle at her right armpit. It was mostly when I was sitting down, so I was either watching TV or you know just resting. He would always go to the same spot, which was her right armpit. What can't dogs do? Yeah, man. At first, I thought it was just him wanting a bit of you know just attention. Uh-huh. And wanting to play. My dog will like take her nose and like push my hand onto her head yeah, and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. Uh, but I decided that I should perhaps take notice, and it was just my rights. 
as it was just my right side that he would do this on. Mm. So she examined herself and sure enough felt a lump right there and soon after was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. It was the same day my nan, my nan had died from bowel cancer the year previously and I was with him when she died. Oh, wow. That's crazy, right? Yeah. So Giles underwent six rounds of chemotherapy followed by a... Lumpectomy, oh, lumpec- lump- lumpectomy, lumpectomy, yeah, yeah get the lump out. Radio, <laughs> radiotherapy afterwards. She said she has a brilliant support network of family and friends who take her to appointments and help her by just being there, along with Brody, of course. So shout out to Brody. That's awesome, man. Dogs are just yeah, dogs man. are just amazing. Uh, before we get out of here, friend, you got any recommendations? No, nah, man, I've been watching She Hulk. Great, She Hulk. I, I I watched the first episode and I didn't get a chance to watch the second episode. Yeah. What I will say is See, now I, you're too behind. I know, and yeah. this is very this is rare for you to be talking about, yeah. <laughs> and it won't last long. But because uh, it's Labor Day weekend, so I'm yeah. off tomorrow. But um, I want to say I put out a tweet. I didn't get any backlash from it, but I didn't think that the episode was bad. I haven't seen it. The first was, episode? No, okay. the episode. There's a new thing to have. Meg the Stallion. Megan the yeah. Stallion was like a, was a guest yeah, or something yeah. like that, and so they showed She Hulk twer- twerking with Meg the Stallion. I'm sure the episode was good, and I'm sure it was just a quick moment. Yeah. But when I saw that, I was like, "All right, I feel like we're kind of jumping the shark a little bit here. What are we doing? I don't really understand why Meg the Stallion's on here." You gotta watch the episode. Exactly. That's yeah, what. I'm yeah. And that's what I assumed when I t- when I put the tweet out. I said, "I'm still gonna watch the episode. And I'm sure it's great, but like out of context, this looks dumb as fuck." Yeah. But I and so thank you for clearing that yeah. up. She Hulk so far has been good. Like yeah, I said. it's a great I, episode too. Okay, I'm, and I've heard that. Yeah, That's yeah. why I wanted to clarify that tweet and I put it out. But like out of context, it looks is like what is the, what is happening here? But anyway, um, yes, great recommendation. My recommendation is two uh, two things I started watching. One, The Patient, starring Steve Carell. It's very interesting. So um, there's only two episodes available. I watched the first two. Steve Carell is a therapist. He's uh, doing therapy. Is this on Netflix. It's on Hulu. Hulu, but it's, it's new, through, right? It's through FX. Okay, yeah, I, I did see. I, I didn't watch it, but I did popped up on my thing. Yeah, Steve Carell's a therapist. He's he's uh, doing therapy sessions with this guy. It turns out the guy's a serial killer. He kidnaps Steve Carell because he's like, I can only be honest with you if I can tell you who I am, but I can't let you go. Steve Carell's the office. Yes. Okay. Uh, sure. Oh my god, I really wanted to punch him. He said it. Yeah. Yes. What? Steve Carell's the office. Yes. Um, what would I do? I mean, he. I just want to make sure he's Steve Carell. Um, yes, got you. It's, yes, Steve Carell's the office. Um, and it's really good so far. The first two episodes, like I said, it's okay. almost. It reminds me almost like it's like Misery. Remember? Did you see Misery? No. Well, it's Kathy Bates, and she like it's a great breaks song, this though, guy legs. Mm-hmm. It's a great song by Paramore. Yes, as well. For those who are <laughs> that are not friend, you know what I mean when I say it's like Misery. This is is very. It reminds me of Misery a lot. He's kidnapped this guy who he respects and wants Steve Carell to help him not be a serial killer anymore. But he couldn't be honest with him in his office. So he felt like he needed to kidnap him and bring him to his home mm-hmm. for him to get his therapy at his house. And so far, it's been really good. The first two episodes are good. Mm-hmm. That's one. Okay. Two, I watched the first episode so far. I think it should be watched by a lot of people because I, I, I can't name a ton of people, but I can name it more than, more than one person that I've dated who have had st- st- uh, stories similar to this. There's a documentary also on Hulu called Keep This Between Us. It's a documentary about girls who had relationships with teachers and how they have learned through therapy that we were this we were victims of abuse. We thought we were having some kind of cute thing. He's only 24 and I'm 16. It's not that crazy. He's young. He's young at heart. He's a young, handsome, whatever the fuck. And sometimes it's not 20. Sometimes it's older than that. And, and, and there's other stories in it that's darker, like the gym teacher was groping us or whatever. But Keep This Between Us is a documentary about um, teachers taking advantage of the power dynamic and grooming young girls and eventually sleeping with them. Mm-hmm. 
And I've, like I said, I've dated girls that have been like, yeah, I had a thing with a teacher, like, you know, and, but like, but like, we just, we couldn't tell people about it, but like, it wasn't, I was in it too, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's like, no, like this is, it's wrong. I don't care if you think you guys liked each other or whatever. That person knew that if this came out, their career is over, they could go to jail. So just that dynamic hanging over the whole situation mm -hmm. makes it a weird, uncomfortable situation already in which he's making a framework for you to not tell on him. There's all kind of rules in place. And so that's grooming. But anyways, keep this between us. And it's on Hulu. And I've watched those two things so far, and those are good. And Fran, I got to be honest with you. I got to let you know. I started watching Last Kingdom. I'm on the first season. <laughs> I'm on I'm on episode eight. I get it. Utrid of Bettenbaugh. Oh, Bettenborough. He's a God. cool dude so far. He's a little too oh, pretty boy. for me. He's a little too pretty for me. Ism. No, but I'm saying he's like small and pretty. Like I wanted like a I wanted him to be a little bit more gritty. Like, but he's he's cool. He and his sword is cool. Yeah, and I, I like the he's show. He's a warrior, man. He's a warrior. It's I like a great show. I like the show so far. Utrid of Utrid, son of Utrid. I, I get it. I get yeah, the whole man. thing now. Yeah. And it's good. It's yeah. good. It's good so far. So those are a few things that I've been watching. Yeah. Also, P oh, I got a lot of this because people were mad that, what? that um we didn't do an episode last week. House of the Dragon. How about to say, man? Yeah, House of the Dragon. Um I gotta do it, man. Um, I was one of the people who refused. I was like, I'm not watching this shit, man. You can't do what you did to us and think we're going to come back for the prequel. How dare you? And I reluctantly put on that first episode. I'm in, man. Yeah. So this is before God. 172 years before now, Game of Thrones. Now, I, I do have a little, uh, something I can nitpick on that show. I got some shit I can nitpick with you, but go ahead. <laughs> Don't get all defensive with no, 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 me, man. Oh, go ahead. I don't understand why there's a black guy in the show. What do you mean? For diversity. And because it's, what do you mean? Yeah, He's from one of the richest kingdoms in the, what do you mean? Why? Why is it? But was that a thing? This is a mythical, this is a fake this show. Is, this is real. There's this, dragons this in the show. There's, dragon, there's dragons in the show. Uh, but if we. There's dragons. I like to look at, I like to look at the show if this really happened. There's dragons in the show. I like to look at the show if really happened. There's dragons in the show. I don't understand why is there a black guy in the show. There's dragons in the show. But I like to look at shows. I like to look at them and like, oh, this really happened. That's so you how think I like to look at shows. So you think it's you know, no it? questions if you, you're doing, you're playing a game if it could really happen. Yeah. Dragons are fine. A black dude is crazy. Why is it crazy. black? It has, it has blonde dreads. It's crazy. They're white. Whatever. <laughs> you know what else that, had white that, dreads? That, the pine that, saw lady. That, did, you, did, you, did you think it was pine crazy? Pine saw lady. Yeah, the lady that was like, mm, good. The, the black lady. From the 90s. Not this new one that oh, pretends okay. to be her. Yeah. But the lady from the pine saw. That's, 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 weird, that's not pine saw. Weird? Is it pine saw? Yeah, it's Pinesaw. Oh, yeah, it's Pinesaw. Yeah, yeah. Um, why? I don't know. This is this is self hate going on, know. man. I don't like that. That's weird to you. This is great. Isn't inclusion? He has a prominent role. That he's not shoehorned into the show. He's he's a great character so far. It's not like they're just forcing it. Like, oh, and he's black. Or it's not like he's a character who wasn't black and they now made him black. You have no point of reference to the show, and you never watched Game of Thrones, and there were literally like no black people in Game of Thrones. I don't know why. So because it, yeah, I don't know. Why. You know how it ends. But there were no black people in Game of Thrones, so I think it's dope to see a black person who's like, I got mad money and um. I'm 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 as important as the king. I'm just not the king. Yeah, he's like the second most. But he has a white wife though, so <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, he's black, so and that's fine. All right, here's what I'm I'll happy for him. But that's I cool. Mean, here's on. what I'll nitpick with you though. Okay, you did not earn some of the things that we get in Game of Thrones. Huh? I had to wait five seasons to see a dragon. I had to see Dragon. Five I had to see. I had to see. No, the show was great. I had to see. Not it ended well. It didn't. But the first five seasons are great. Sure. 
And I had to wait. I had to see dragon eggs and the, oh, these are going to become. I had to for five years. Mm hmm. And you get on the first episode, you get to see some dragons, yeah, she, and you got the nerve she, to when she pulls up. Oh, it's like pull up in a Rolls Royce, man. Oh man, you know, people, oh people are in awe. Oh, that's a really a dragon. She's yeah. on that right now. Crazy, like, yeah, with spinning rims. But <laughs> you get to just you you the nerve you have the nerve to come up to me and go, yeah, I just started watching House yeah, of Dragons, man. man. I like it. I'm like, Love you it. like it. You just get to get dragons out of the gate. How dare you talk to me, somebody that went through what I went through with that show, and you tell me you like the show, yeah, and you get to get dragons and people getting their nuts cut off. Now, what I will say is. When this episode comes out, episode three has already come out. This crab feeder guy, it's gonna that's gonna be an interesting storyline. Did you watch episode two? I'm caught up. So you saw when they had the people chained up on the wood on the beach and there's crabs eating them? Yeah. That's the villain. Mm. That's gonna be in the next episode. Okay. I think it's gonna get interesting with that guy. He has this crazy mask on. He's like getting he, eaten alive, ain't he? Well, he has grayscale, which you don't okay. know about because you're new, but it's a disease. It's like okay. It's like leprosy of Game of Thrones world. Okay. But anyway, yes, I love Game. I love uh, House of the Dragon so far. The girl, she looks like Daenerys, and I'll, but they all look like that. They all have the, the blonde hair or whatever, but I'll move past that. I like the show. Two thumbs up so far, and it looks like it's building up to something that's going to be real big. It better. Yeah. And this, this, this uncle, they're going to fuck each other. I'm just letting people Ooh. know that now. Spoiler alert. That's going to happen. Ooh, what are you talking about? The uncle and the girl, who's now like the heir to the throne, and then the uncle that's like the bad boy uncle. The uncle's gonna fuck this, his niece. They do incest in the in the family. The Targaryens do incest. So yeah, I keep he puts when he puts necklaces on her, he's looking at her weird and smelling her hair. They're gonna fuck each other. So just giving people a heads up for that. I don't know if anybody didn't know that. I want to just prepare people that if you're new to the Game of Thrones world, they fuck family members in this show. And that girl, I can't remember her name right now, and her uncle Damon, I think is his name. They're going to fuck each other. So just giving a heads up. But great show so far. Yeah. And uh, Pretty, I'm proud of you for watching um, Last Kingdom, man. Proud of you. Yeah, man. Um, well, you know, admittedly, admittedly, I probably would have watched it sooner if Game of Thrones hadn't ended so poorly because what made me watch it is watching House of the Dragon and getting back into that yeah. realmy yeah, yeah. horseback riding. I was like, I want to see more of this. But yeah, yeah. I watched the episode, so I don't have another episode to watch for a week. I'll go watch The Last Kingdom. Yeah, man. And that's what made me watch it. Was like, oh man, I want to get more of this. I like I forgot how much I like this stuff. Because I'll never watch Game of Thrones again. I used to watch it from first season. I used to restart it when the finish really? when a new season come out, you finish the season, I go back, watch from season episode one and do the whole thing to catch up again so I can catch everything and be fully caught up. Haven't watched the show in like three years. Since the finale ended, mm -hmm. and I'll never watch it again. I'm good. Yeah. So now I can't really get back into that mood. This show comes out. I go, oh, I forgot how much I like horseback riding yeah. and sword fights and all this shit like that. Oh, man. And now Last Kingdom's got like five seasons. I didn't even know it was on yeah, that long. I love it, man. So, you know, yeah. you know there's, uh, there's, there's basketball. You know, Drew, you know, Drew, that's Drew Holiday's favorite show. I didn't know that, but I did see the clip where he was he mentioned Utra, the son of Utra. Yeah, you know. And he, I was like, you who know, the fuck you is know that? His, uh, when he hits the three, he pulls the sword out of his back. Oh, is that what he does? Yeah. Because of that? Yeah. All right. I like Drew Holiday more now. <laughs> I already liked him, but I like him more now. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm a fan. I'm on the Utra son of Utra yeah, train man. for sure. I like him. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we'll see you guys next week for sure. We'll be back. Deuces.